I have not seen Detective Pikachu myself. Is it actually even out yet? Yeah, I can't yes, it is. Tell by the uh, my roommate went and saw it. The okay. Other day. Uh, okay. He, and liked it. Uh, good movie. I mean, you know, good movie. You know, could be better, could be worse. Whatever. I, I haven't seen it myself though. It's good by video game movie standards, which is not saying much, but it's not saying. Nothing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I've got a, a little interesting little story here. So, so a fellow named Ryan George who is a writer for Screen Rant, went to go see Detective Pikachu, you know, just like you know everybody else is going to do. Pretty normal thing. Went to a normal theater to see Detective yeah. Pikachu. Well, yeah. uh, he starts live-tweeting because some weird stuff starts happening right off the bat. So, you know, every movie has previews, and the previews are actually... Now there's a little thing that comes up that says, these previews are proved to play with this with the following feature film. Yes, but they also just like a bold faced line. Yeah, I mean so so in theory they're supposed to be rated similarly or at least cut like if even if it is a little bit more inappropriate, they will cut the trailer in such a way that it still could be shown like, you know, it's still PG or whatever, you know, whatever it has to fit in. Sure. Well, the first trailer comes on for this showing of Detective Pikachu, and it's Annabelle comes home. Uh, Perfect. If you, if you're not familiar with the Annabelle series, it's a terrifying possessed doll series. It's I mean like it's in the part of the Conjuring universe and it's ap- the Conjurer. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. You know, I all right. So I'll just say that right here, like scary dolls kind of freak me out. Creepy dolls super freak me out. So, but yeah, they should. Yeah, They're and creepy. so that's the first thing that comes on, and so he's like. Yeah, the theater I'm in is playing a trailer for Annabelle Comes Home before Detective Pikachu look away, children. Oh, no. It's like, uh, that's that's weird. This grown-ass adult is afraid. That's weird for Detective Pikachu, but, you know, it's not beyond the pale. But apparently, before the trailer had finished, kids were already crying. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, so next, a trailer for the Joker. For Joker. Even better. Uh, which is not, you know, that's not going to be scarring to children like Annabelle would be, but still kind of weird. I mean, that's... I'm sorry. It's it, it's never too early for children to learn that life is bleak and meaningless and <laughs> the only solution is burn it all down. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I gotta say that's an appropriate one for all yeah. ages. So that's, and that's what Joker teaches you. But yeah, the Joker trailer's next, but at least that one isn't like horribly scarring and kids are probably... It's got a clown, we live in, it. In, a a clown society, in it, guys. But the trailer itself, there's nothing really terrible happening in it. Not really. Um. So, and then a third trailer comes on. It's for Child's Play, the new Child's. Play. Oh yes, this is all car just... crashes, Man, car crashes, knives, form. murder, blood. Yeah, horror movie, straight up actual you know, horror movie. I, I'm seeing a theme so far in these trailers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's and that's pretty horrible. So I mean, Child's Play. I, I have to say that's that's pretty extreme. That's gonna that's gonna give some kids some nightmares already. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. The, so the next thing that happens, and I think at this point you're kind of starting to guess what I'm going to be getting at. So. 
the movie that comes on, it's 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 not Detective Pikachu. It's it's the Curse of La Lorana. What? Which literally opens now. This is a horror movie, and it's not just any horror movie. It's the hor- a horror movie that opens literally with a scene of a mother drowning her children. Yeah, La Llorona. It's an old Mexican folktale. Yeah, and so the movie literally starts out with children being drowned and murdered. And th- there again, this is a bunch, this is, uh, this was supposed to be Detective Pikachu. I'm sorry, this is all P- Detective Pikachu lore. It's the dark, gritty story of how Detective Pikachu became a detective. Yeah, it, it's... I, I'm sorry, did you not know Detective Pikachu and True Detective have serious parallels to each other? <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like, bold move, Detective Pikachu. That's a that's a heck of an opener. I mean, oh, uh, we, that, we weren't expecting yeah. that. <laughs> now you know what the first mystery to solve is going to be, is who the fuck thought that was a good idea? Yeah, wow, what happened? Yeah, that's... And, and, and what really blows me away is it took them this long to actually like f- figure out that oh god we're showing the wrong movie in this theater to for them to actually go and rectify it and start playing the right like basically and to rectify it they just had the people switch theaters like switch switch rooms they paused both movies and had people switch rooms so there's a nice screen sh- or a nice little video that the uh that this guy that this guy tweeted and it's yeah it's detective pikachu paused about you know two or three minutes into the movie so yeah so yeah so now we so i i i just have one question on this one like you said people switched rooms does that mean there was a group seeing the horror movie that was seeing detective pikachu that's like man where's the child drowning yeah and also all the previews too that would have been before pikachu like for you know, Secret Life of Dogs two, or you know, probably Lion King was probably also <laughs> before. To a bunch of there's some dude just sitting there like, man, this is fucked. Man. This is like, what are they like? I get this movie about child killing, but man, this is a weird pull. I am. Yeah, this is why are we seeing these previews before? The- <laughs> no, I, if that if you would intentionally, that's fucking yeah. brilliant. I think like. Play a bunch of kid-friendly trailers before a movie that starts off with kid killing. I, th- that is a that is a move no theater has the balls to intentionally. Yeah, that's do. pretty amazing in its own way. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast. I am Henry Reed, aka Noed Har, aka Kraken Zero. And we are coming to you live, and this is number 154, I believe? Is yes, right? sir. 154. Sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all here. We did it, boys. We? Well, physically here, yes. In spirit, I am... I don't know where I am in spirit, to be honest with you. I don't know where I am this week in spirit. <laughs> I am, uh, I think, badly drawn Sonic is my spirit for this week. Ooh. Mm. Like DeviantArt badly drawn Sonic or like 8th grader notebook badly drawn Sonic? 8th uh, grader on DeviantArt. Ooh. Mm. DeviantArt Sonic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Original concept, do not steal. <laughs> I respect that. Okay. Do you? Yeah, I think <laughs> everybody can feel like a mood of Sonic. I feel, if I had to choose a Sonic, I would be one of those weird, uh, erotic versions of Sonic that they draw out there like for the first time. last week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, kudos on that thumbnail. That's amazing, by the way. <laughs> oh, I, I can't take her for that. I gotta give that one to um, SHAD base. I'm not sure if it's Shad base or Shade base for him. Oh, dude does okay. disturbing art. I had to tone okay. his version back. I, I know who you're talking about, actually. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, that dude's Okay. Yep. <laughs> now Twitter I kind of, now I I know who that is because it's come up in the news before. But Twitter uh, is great. Yeah. But yeah. So. Yes, we have arrived. One fifty four. There's some gaming news that apparently happened this week. So, I guess that's kind of cool. Well, um, yeah. First, let's let's talk about our week. This is the most formalized like way we've ever done. It's <laughs> yes. like, hello, we've forgotten our normal format. We're, we're we're telling you for the first time ever in a podcast intro, we're going to do news eventually, followed <laughs> by emails. But first, boop weeks. <laughs> we'll tell you about our lives in a bit. Hostbot three thousand is having. Computational errors. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, Henry? Um. All right. So, I I played some games. I'm still. All right. So, <laughs> I still haven't bought a new video card. <laughs> I'm still just using the onboard video card with my computer. On one so, hand, I feel real bad. On the other hand, the games you keep finding to play sound interesting, and it's kind of an interesting experiment in like can you game without good hardware yeah and so the one i played this week is stories untold now this isn't a new game it came out a couple of years ago but and i played i played one chapter of it there's four chapters in it and the first chapter is called the house abandon and mm -hmm. it's actually available for free like you're going to download just go out and download the first chapter of it but it's it's really cool. It's super cool. Oh, yeah, I super like that. It's not a very long game at all. It maybe took me 30 minutes to go through all the way. Cool. But, and I don't want to say anything about it, because it, uh, not, I don't want to say too much about it, because it's that good. It's just, you should experience it, and I can't wait to try out the other game, the other chapters oh. of Stories Untold. Oh. Yeah, the house, the house Abandoned, it's, and all of them actually have the similar format, in that they are all text adventures. So, like, what I mean by text adventure is, like, the story is told to you entirely in text, and you type in things, actions and commands, to do things within the game. And so, so for a text game, you, like, if you wanted to, you know, go west, you would type in go west. Or if you wanted to, you know, pick up book, you would type in the words pick up book, and it would pick up the book, or whatever. Mm -hmm. or, and then maybe give you some sort of flavor text reply, but it's all done in text. And But there's kind of a meta level going on because the way it presents it is there's actually a computer in the game that you're typing on. So there is a sort of meta game world where you're sitting at the terminal of, like, you're sitting in front of a computer's monitor hmm. and then typing stuff in, and you can see the computer itself. 
And so there is a meta level there. And essentially that, so you get, so they kind of, they do utilize this. They utilize the fact that you are typing in a computer in the game world, so things can happen in the game world. And it's tied in, and it'll be tied in with some things that you do on the computer. And yeah, without giving anything away, I just have to say, play those games. It is super creative. I mean, the first one is created in three days. It was done during a one of those game making festivals, game or, games at, or yeah, like a you know like a game like a uh, at a uh, it was done at Ludum Dare. I don't know if I'm pronouncing mm. that right, but it was it's a it was make a game in three days. I've I've it's like Global Game Jam where that one, but that one's two days. But this one, it was the House Abandoned anyway, was made in three days by uh, the. Yeah, I forget. I know Developer Digital is a publisher. I forget who the actual developer is, but yeah, but yeah, you can go in. You can just go in and download it. I guess that's why they made it sort of available because for free anyway, because they did it and you know it did it as part of the project. But man, it's good. It's so good, and it. it the, so something was also going on this weekend. This special festival called. Uh, Ludon Ludo Narrative Con or something or I forget it's I I saw it because it was up on uh, up on Steam if you went on Steam this weekend oh yeah this it. was the first like video game festival or whatever you want to call it held entirely on Steam yeah 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 and it's something about this. and it's specifically something about storytelling games like heavy story based games yeah and so the common thread with all the games kind of presented and all the games were on sale this weekend if I mean, unfortunately, by the time you hear this podcast, the sale will already be done. But yep. essentially, uh, all the Ludo narrative type games have been have been uh, on sale, and so yeah, this we've... kind of fits in with those. This is definitely one of those because, man, this I I can't. One of the great things about the text adventures is it takes advantage of the of your imagination. I mean, same with the it's the same with the book, and so. Your imagination starts to run wild from just the text appearing on the screen, and man, it's it's creepy. Yeah. It is good. It is creepy. The atmosphere is amazing, and yeah, highly recommend the House Abandoned. Like I said, you could pick that one up for free, like they've been offering for free, or but I would just recommend picking up Stories Untold and getting all four chapters. Sure. Is and I and I personally, yeah, I haven't done the other three because I want to kind of. Yeah, you know, save it because I want to do it in parts. It was that good as well. So, mm. yeah. So that's that's otherwise nothing really. Uh, well, I did go and watch. I went and watched Endgame this week, and so that so I Avengers Endgame. So that's the other big thing that I did this week. But outside of that, um, well, um, I do have a birthday tomorrow. That's that's something that's also happening, but that's. That's not this week, but it's literally tomorrow. Yeah, happy birthday. It's close enough. The podcast will go up on your birthday. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Thank you. But yeah, so, yeah. I, it is. It has been an interesting journey, yeah. Like, kind of searching out and looking for games that aren't going to fry my motherboard. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, sounds cool. I guess I'll go next. If you got nothing else? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I I haven't been playing much. I'm still pecking away at MK. I got 
Rage 2 and uh, Play, uh, Plague Tale Innocence comes out this upcoming week, so I'll actually be back into playing new stuff again soon. It won't just be me playing MK. I, it's, I think this is my last week of MK. People are starting to officially get good online, and <laughs> I don't put that much time into getting good at Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like it's, it's time to stop playing MK, and I, it. I'm not sure we talked about it much at the time. The the more time I spend playing that game, playing people that play Sonya Blade, the, the more the Ronda Rousey stuff actually pisses me off, because, good God, she may give one of the worst voice-acted delivered performances ever in that game. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> and she voices Sonya, and it's like... Uh, I, I'm not with, surprised... With, 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 no, it's not surprising, but with, like, some of the news we're about to talk about this week and just kind of the whole, like, you should respect voice actors, like, I, it has been so, it has been so long since I played a game that had, like, you can point to it and be like, this is terrible voice acting, and you can totally do it with Ronda Rousey in this game, but also with everything else going on around it, you're like, man, this is shitty, like... You could have put any of us, and we could have voiced Sonya Blade better. Like, like, it just sounds bored the entire time in the worst well, way. And like, she's she's not like known for having like a really charismatic voice or charismatic no. character. Kind of, not really. I mean, she's known for punching people in the face very good. Yeah, not even that for that long. But yeah, yeah I mean, and she's and but the thing is, I kind of know she's a bad actor because. I've seen her in WWE. Yeah, I, it's she's, she's done nothing in the WWE to make me think she is a good voice actor. But yeah, like it's yeah. the you have these great moments where it's like I'm playing like a noob cybot or Scorpion online. They like do their thing and they're all like, "Yeah, it's time to fight." Then you've got some Sonya Blade player who's like just this bored retort in the intro, and I'm like, "Oh, this is ah, uh, this is yeah." She, she's bad. she's not new, known for being good at promo in wrestling so i'm like right. of, of the people to pull to do there is a lot of performer performers in wwe who are really kind of charismatic and yeah. are really good with the microphone that is not if her the, that is not if Seth rollins would voice noob cybot in the next <laughs> game i'd be ever so happy oh yeah he yeah, can yeah, also voice sonya blade i'd be okay with that too yeah, uh, it could be Can't John be Cena. John Cena could have done a better job because he. I want John Cena to voice Johnny Cage, except Johnny Cage is the only character I know of is having that. I want John Cena to voice Scorpion. We have weird human Scorpion now. I want yeah. John Cena to voice Scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> only if every no. time there talks, there are little trumpets that play. No, I just yep. realized I was wrong. I want him to play Smoke because one of Smoke's moves is literally invisibility. You can't see me. Oh! Yeah, that would be the hand wave. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Cyber John Cena, then. Yes. You're perfect. Cyber John Cena sounds like a great band name, too, by the way. <laughs> uh, but it, well, I, well, I have been playing Mortal Kombat, even when I haven't been playing Mortal Kombat, I've been watching some stuff. Uh, if you're a person that has an HBO Go or HBO Now or has access to HBO because of Game of Thrones and you're not watching Chernobyl, you should really fucking watch Chernobyl. It's better than Game of Thrones, I think, this season. What's it about? I don't think I have it. Is, seen it is. So it is. Um, 
it is a mini series, which means it has a definite end. It's not going to be multiple seasons or anything. It is a kind of dramatary. I'm not sure what the right word is for like a docudrama. Like it's it is based off of a bunch of kind of diary recordings and audio recordings by the people that were involved in kind of the crisis team of the hmm. Chernobyl incident in Ukraine. Hmm, that sounds and fascinating. It is, and like it's. Uh, we know what happens. The power plant blows up, and if you Google it, like, the main character goes and commits suicide. Like, and the show's very upfront about these facts, but it's it's presented kind of as you're living through it, but unlike lots of other stuff out there, it starts right off with, yo, the power plant blew up. Like, the, there's no, like, annoying lead-in of day in the life, but, like, the coolest for me part of the entire show so far, and it's only one episode in, is it's shot like a horror movie. Hmm. Like, every single scene inside the power plant has unsettling music and, like, those kind of creepy, low horror movie angles. And, like, the entire thing, like, it's the, I know it's a real thing, which means there's never going to be a jump scare. There's no, like, the, the yeah. Chernobyl monster's not going to show up and be like, I'm the Chernobyl monster at any point. But, like, it's the, the way it's shot, per, like, does a really good job of personifying the fact that, like, the monster of this is radiation yeah that's and that's it's there that's... and it's terrifying and they don't even know it's there kind of thing like it's it is it is so good in the first week it's been out i've watched the same first episode three times i want to say yeah that sounds really cool that sounds it's absolutely really fascinating good. yeah and especially yeah, it... i, I like it sounds like the the way that they chose to shoot it that uh, that sounds really cool too. I mean, that's yeah, that's not common for sort of like you said a, a docudrama type of thing. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's one of these things where kind of like it's the it's self aware enough where they're like, no, you can Google everything that's going to happen in this and know what happens. So we actually have to make this interesting, and it's just it's yeah, like the the entire first episode like could be subtitled like Chernobyl episode one, the consequence of lies, like it's. Mm. It's really goddamn good. I, it's, I would go so far. It is better than this entire game of seasons of Game of Thrones has been. And mm. if you have HBO because Game of Thrones, you should be watching this because it's a better use for that than I think Game of Thrones has been this season. But oh, whatever. No, that's a hundred percent agreed on that one. Uh, oof. Anyway, I, I'll save yeah. my thoughts once the season's over. But <laughs> we'll do a spoiler cast for that. Yeah. yeah, only time we've ever talked about Game of Thrones in a meaningful way on this podcast. <laughs> they went full Dexter, I feel like. But anyway. I, yeah, maybe I, I. I'm not gonna go to deep detail on this one. This is mostly kind of a callback to many episodes ago. Like I think like almost a hundred episodes ago, at least went up. There's this terrible show called Lucifer, which I fucking love, and it got canceled. <laughs> the Netflix picked it up and. The, the fourth season of Lucifer is now up on Netflix if you have Netflix. If you're looking for a show that, like, one of the main characters is gleefully self-aware he may or may not be in a TV show and doesn't give a fuck about it, it's a fun <laughs> show. It's not a good show. Like, it's got all that kind of CW bad melodrama bullshit, but it's... There's fun parts where, like, it's the... If you have someone that, 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 that is literally the devil... And they're going on to go, hey, I'm the devil. That's what that show is all about. But no one believes them because the devil isn't real. Mm -hmm. it, it's weird. I think it's the best season of that show. But also, like, it's 
weird because it's like it's back from cancellation land. But yeah, I. And I guess the last thing I watched, I, I actually watched two more things. I watched the uninstaller for division, uh, not for division two, um, for Anthem go through. Really? Think about it. I, I it's. We'll, we'll cover kind of why in the news. Uh, it's. If they have released more updates for that game, I will uninstall it and give it a shot. But I also kind of hovered over the Division 2 and just was like, eh, not yet. <laughs> soon, my uninstaller, soon. But yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the last thing I watched this week, and it's... Again, I can't recommend watching it, but like, it's it, it was really kind of... No, this... It, I, I watched a documentary, an actual documentary, not a dramatization documentary, whatever you want to call it, Chernobyl called Behind the Curve. And it's about Flat Earthers. Oh, oh wow. of course. <laughs> I, I like the looking... title. It's it's so on the nose. That's a great uh, title. <laughs> I kind of recommend watching it for there are two points in the documentary where they are 100% sure that they fucking got us globetards with with data or something, and then the data comes back supporting what we globetards think, and just watching them try and fall all over themselves trying to reconfigure the data they've just achieved. It's kind of great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to tell who is in there and actually like serious, who's not just a bunch of pose. Is so, I think I I really think that ninety percent of the flat Earth movement is trolls. It's so. This is definitely aimed at the more kind of not trolly aspects of the movement. It's it is weird because there are three or four moments in the documentary where someone who's a big person in the flat Earther movement will say something. It's not about flat Earth. It's it, it's in unbelievably insightful kind of kind of comment on the concept of conspiracy or whatever and what they're saying is like this unbelievably self-aware like oh oh, oh my god are they about to acknowledge that flat earth might be just them being crazy and delusional but then they're like but no flat earth is real and you're like damn it so close yeah yeah it's it's really well done. Uh, it's, I, I think it does kind of a good job of uh, kind of putting a nice bow on the entire, like, this is what it is, this is, here's the experiments they're running, these are how dumb some of these experiments are, here are two of the, like, more scientific experiments they run, giving them data that's not support what they want, and them trying to, like, fall all over themselves to prove it actually does support it. It's really fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, in that regard, but like also it's depressing where it's like you have probably my favorite part of it is there's a part where they are shooting in Pasadena, which I did not realize I was there for. Oh, because I have memories of the guy. So one of the guys from I'm blanking on the name of right now. I watched this last night. Like I remember seeing this guy walking around in his stupid shirt that proclaims who he is and being like, huh, weirdo, whatever. But they were like. They had a like party convention meetup thing, fifty feet from where I work in a restaurant, and I remember walking by it, being like, "What the fuck's with all people in flat earther shirts?" 
Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure I could even bring myself to watch it. It's just it's... sort of inf- so infuriatingly stupid. Oh, it's not great, no. Well, I do love the very, very on-the-nose title, though. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, if, if, if you're looking to feel intellectual and watch a documentary for an hour and a half or so, I recommend Behind the Curve if you yeah. find Flat Earthers infuriating. Don't watch this. You'll <laughs> I, By the end, I was just like, I feel dumber. This is science abuse. Listen. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. It's lots of MK Rage Two and uh, Plague Tale come out this week, and they will be I'll be playing. How's Rage Two? I don't know yet. It's not out. I have not played oh, it. Oh, 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 oh! You, the, you the, bought it. Yes, the the launch trailer for it is what finally kind of made me go, okay, fine, I'll give you money because they were really aware about the freight about like, yeah, this isn't Rage One. And I'm like, tell me more about how it's not Rage One. We're going to make jokes about Rage 1. Go on. Because I bought Rage 1, and that game was boring. But yeah. What have you been up to, Alex? Um, I have been sitting back and watching Blizzard burn from a distance, and it's always fun to watch when they do dumb shit. How's, that, new- Blizzard, how's that World of Warcraft subscription? Uh, it's still active, though. I, I am openly admitting that. I, I've never shied away from the fact that I'm a fucking hypocrite when it comes to still having yep. my WoW subscription. I yep. still play the game. Trust me. I am fully with that irony, and I will embrace it 100%. So if you're looking to kind of... Un- if, if you're looking to brand Alex as something right now, he is a shill. <laughs> yeah. Shill, well, shill for what? For Blizzard in a weird way? or Just making jokes, man. What's been your story? No, I, I I'm embracing my shill. Send me my uh, my scarlet letter, and I will happily wear it. Just a big S. No, no, Blizzard shill. So just the letters BS would be perfect. <laughs> that, that feels like it might conta- like, uh, encapsulate what Blizzard's been up to lately. <laughs> yep. But before I get into all that fun stuff, um, so I uh, I'm still enjoying the Division Two. If we're gonna talk about games real quick, um. Uh, I'm working my way through the uh, through the missions here and there because I do it casually when I'm not messing around on WoW, and uh, it's I've still been enjoying myself. Maybe it's because I didn't get to the end game in Division One because I know Charlie that you had mentioned that the Black Tusk or a it's similar the organization. Same. Yeah, it's the <laughs> same. So, uh, the, technically, this is my first time around for that because I never finished the, the uh, yeah the advanced stuff. So it's it's kind of nice. Um, I will go so far as I preferred the one man, the, the last man legion over Black Tusk because, like, God, could you hate the last man battalion? Yeah. I know, overall, it's, it's been okay. Uh, I don't like the, all the excess fucking red on the map because of the Black Tusk invasion. It's kind of annoying. But anyway, I also feel stupid because I cleared all the fucking capture point or control points. <laughs> Only to have them all taken back when the Black Tusk fucking took over, so yeah. that was fun. I think they keep retaking them, too. They do, yes. So, I'm always like, fine, whatever. But you do get a nice chest out of it, so that's nice. Mm. Um, well, actually, you get a couple chests, but there's a big yellow one that usually has some pretty good upgrades. That once you did the capture the point once, it was gone, but if, you, if it's taken and then you take it back, you can get another chest. So that's kind of nice. Um... 
Mythic Jaina is going along pretty well. I've been streaming that uh, recently, the last few weeks. So, it, it's um, I believe it or not, I actually have a little bit of an audience yesterday, which was kind of nice. So, oh, cool, in there. But uh, yeah, I was chatting with some dudes who are also kind of on that last leg of uh, Mythic Jaina progression right now. So it's kind of nice. I enjoyed that. Um, as far as real life stuff goes, uh, there was a local plant sale. Uh, held in the area. We're like, oh, cool. We're going to buy a carnivorous plant. We've already got one. I'm going to get one for the office. We get there, and it was very much like a very small town plant sale with a few How much was plants. weed? Not a lot at all. <laughs> Not I'm a sure... lot, but that means some. Actually, I don't think there was any, because it was a lot of um, folks on the older side of the age spectrum. Oh. So. And I actually can't remember now if um, weed is legal in Oregon or not. It is. I you were in it, Seattle for a second. No, it's a, it's 100% legal here in Oregon. In fact, we have a surplus that we can't get rid of it. So you can buy like a pound of weed for, who knows, like 30 bucks or something like that. Like some ridiculous amount. The pricing on it is ridiculous up here. Mm. For flower weed, anyway. Um, if you still want to get something like edibles and all that stuff, that's still, I think, a little bit on the normal pricing side. Still pretty good, though. So what you're saying is if I want to fake some rap videos about how much I'm balling, I have to go up to Portland for a sec, get some supplies, and come back and be like, look how much money I got. Well, assume, assuming you can move it across state lines, because technically that's a federal crime. Ah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Part of the reason why Oregon has such a surplus of weed is because we can't ship it anywhere else, because we're growing it like fucking mad. Yeah. Part of the reason well, Vegas has a shortage, because there's not a lot of places to grow it, but they also have a weird fucking rule that, like, only certain, like, beverage and companies can transport it around the state. And I think that list is only, like, five companies. Mm. And three the of them won't do it. doesn't need to know about my hay bale enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> and these, these are stacks of hay. It's not, it's not marijuana. It's hay. Have you ever heard my hay bale of weed story? No, I have not, but now I want to hear I, it. I was crossing the Canadian border. My car was totally legal. I was going to a concert, and the pickup truck in front of me was discovered to contain not one, but an entire pickup truck bed's worth of hay bales that were not hay bales. They were hay bales of marijuana, and just nice. watching the border guard pulling them out of the back of the truck, just like, with this look of, what the fuck were you trying to book? Just a tarp <laughs> over the back of this thing. Like, no effort put into it. This guy was just like, really? Really? Mm -hmm. Like, nice. you realize this stuff smells a certain way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd been driving behind him. I'm like, what the fuck is that guy high? I'm hauling. It smells weird. <laughs> sure enough. Wow. That's, 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 I, I'll give it to them there. That was pretty gutsy. That's, that's, I, uh, I, gutsy yeah. might not be the best word to describe it, but it's certainly something. It was a play. It did not work out for him. Yeah. I, I think my favorite part is the guy like in the car being handcuffed, looking indignant, trying to be like, it's not mine! And I'm like, everything about this is a fantastic tableau. Mm -hmm. I just want to go see Rob Stein. So, I am curious, what carnivorous plant do you own right now? Like, what do you have? Uh, we we have a just a pitcher plant. I don't know the specific oh, cool. one on it, but it's actually pretty nice cause, you know, with the summer and flies and stuff starting to come in because we're leaving the, the window open. Or the, the sliding mm -hmm. panel door. We've had it catch a few flies and also catch a few ants that have showed up. Oh, that's uh, cool. So that's actually kind of nifty too, because like sometimes if you hold it, if you held it in the sun, 
if you get the right angle, you can actually see the bodies of the ants inside the pitcher yeah. plant. Yeah, so. pitcher plants look cool. I just like they are they are some of the cooler looking of the carnivorous. Actually, all the carnivorous plants are pretty cool looking, pretty unique looking. But yeah, yeah. pitcher plants look. I just like the way they look. They're really cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because we picked. Well, we were my girlfriend and I were at a reptile and exotic animal fair a couple week, like a couple months ago, actually. And so uh, we happened to see that they had a carnivorous plant like vendor there. So we're like, oh, cool. We picked one up, and surprisingly, they're not hard to maintain. Uh, so one the fly trap fly traps are. Uh, yeah. de- depends, uh, but like somehow Oregon weather is pretty nice for it. And then on top of that, sure. instead of having to buy, buy distilled water because you don't want to have there's too much stuff in normal water that would cause an issue. Apparently, mm. Oregon tap water is under quite a bit for the particles per whatever thing that they have in terms of measurements that makes it okay that you literally use tap water to water your carnivorous plant and it won't mm. hurt it mm. and it just speaks to how nice the water is up here so oh the, yeah the water in in oregon is pretty great like even like i lived in portland and yeah it's actually really good just water straight out of the tap yep so uh we can just use tap water and it works okay but yeah so we, we've been taking care of it and i want to get one for the office and take it to work so and just have it sitting at my cubicle because this job is really cool with me doing stuff like that. Mm. So, well, yeah, this is um, this is this is this is my life. I like carnivorous plants; they're enjoyable, and also they don't secretly plot to murder me like the rest of the animals in the house. <clears throat> Not yet. Not that you know of, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for that one. <laughs> but yeah. Other than that. That is uh, that is pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's time for news. <laughs> yeah. All right, where do you want to start? There is stuff all over the place this week. We got yep. Riot. We got Randy Pitchford being Randy Pitchford. We got the U.S. Senate doing things. We got Ubisoft mm. news. We got Blizzard news. We got... That weird Nintendo, uh, not Nintendo. Um, um, let's 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 just knock off Randy Pitchford. I think let's just start with that. All right. So in the ongoing saga of Randy Pitchford, not Borderlands Three, mind you, Randy Pitchford. Um, he has, as the kids say, clapped back at the claptrap voice actor, describing him as bitter, which has now led to the voice actor revealing. Why he left Gearbox in the first place it was kind of uh, impromptu, not great, but not whatever. And then there was a more complicated one that's like, no, that's the owner of a company should not be doing that. Period. Yeah. But... Could have just shut the fuck up, let the game make its money and do its thing, but no. He has to open his big fucking mouth. Is he? He's like another Cliffy B. Yeah. Just. It's. Cliffy B was pretty douchey, but not, like, at the level of Randy Pitchford. Cliffy B wasn't known as being, a, like, super that toxic, I don't think. This is worse. Like, so, you gotta remember, like, here, we have, we have reports of him on a podcast talking about how he watches cam sites to pick up on, like, how they fake their squirting things as a magician. We have that incredibly cringy PAX East thing of him doing magic tricks for an extended period of time. 
We have Borderlands 3 get announced as part of all of this, which is great. But now we're back to this where we have like more allegations coming out. And on top of that, you have someone flat out saying, yeah, I'm not returning. As you have the problem of I'm not returning for to be this iconic character. Two people not returning to voice their iconic characters. Iconic maybe stretch for one of those cases. But two voice actors not returning because they could not come to terms on price. You have circling around. They've never quite that. They're still in process. And now you have this. Yeah. I only mentioned Borderlands 3 once yeah. in all of those. So, yeah, well done. Way to draw the attention off of your probably very good game. Yeah, and, like, like, and, and here's the problem. This is like we talk awful. about every once in a while. I really want to get Borderlands 2. Normally in this cycle, I would have pre-ordered Borderlands 2 by now, knowing myself. You mean 3. Sorry, 3. You're absolutely right. 3. Yes. My bad. I, I, I This is a game... That, like, when those trailers came out, I was going to buy. I'm going to probably pull the hypocrite card on this one and buy it because I still fucking love Borderlands. But, man, it has this whole thing, like, it? if you're on the fence for this or, like, if you're not as into Borderlands, like, even I, who's really into this franchise, is going, eh. Yeah. Yeah. And not, yeah. I don't like the idea of Randy Pitchford indirectly getting my money. And yes, yeah. I'm paying for Borderlands, and lots of, I'm sure, very nice people have worked on that game. Yeah. But still, t chunks of it still wind up in Randy Pitchford's pockets, and I'm finding that concept increasingly complicated. Yeah. I mean, not to belabor a, a, you know, a very long and larger point, it's just like, don't buy stuff if the people aren't going to be, you know, decent. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like if you really want to actually send a message, going on Twitter and saying, you know, and, and browbeating somebody, that never works for companies. The company's not going yeah. to generally bow because you browbeat them on Twitter. No, a company, a capitalist company is going to respond when you say, no, we're not going to give you money. I yeah. Mean, boycotts, and when they happen, are actually pretty darn effective. But they have yeah. to actually happen, and that's the thing. I've never seen it happen with video games before, and it's kind of frustrating, but anyway. Yeah, it's, like, as much shit as we give Anthem, we're up to give it more shit in a couple minutes, I think. And as much shit as we've given, like, Battlefield 2, those games still sold really goddamn well. And like, yeah. this is Charlie's kind of cynical reminder to all y'all, if you are listening to this podcast, you probably know meaningfully more, and this is not some, like, neckbeardy, Rick and Morty fan, you should be a super intelligent to get this podcast type of retort. If you are listening to us right now, you are more informed about the gaming industry as a whole than I'm willing to say like 95% of people that play and buy video games at this point. That's true. So on one hand, like it's the, yes, I'm sure nothing we're saying is not news to all of y'all, but also if you have some friends that are super into Borderlands and they aren't aware of kind of the whole Randy Pitchford, and that's the issue, it's not Gearbox. It's Randy fucking Pitchford bullshit. Yeah. This is kind of, it's like, it's the, there are bigger social issues facing the world you should definitely be addressing, but this is also something where it's like, I, I don't think you should feel, like, you should have to go through the question of, am I comfortable supporting Randy Pitchford indirectly if I buy Borderlands 3? And you may come to the answer of, yeah, I'm okay with it. That's probably all I want to, I really want to fucking play that game, but like, it is something you should have to work through. Like, hell, 
as part of this whole kind of news cycle on this stuff, there have been lots of stories coming from like either former or current Gearbox employees being like, yeah, we really wish he wasn't the public face of the company anymore. Like, remember, this is the same guy that was on Twitter talking about how there was fucking Battleborn hentai. He was like, fucking yeah, the fans are here. We all were like, ew, we're gonna go masturbate to Overwatch stuff because that's like, classy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's gross, it's uncomfortable, and yeah. it is actively getting in the way. Like, it's the if Randy Pitcher was a scumbag and wasn't as public facing all this, I'd be like, I'm still gonna buy Borderlands three, and I'm like, I'm still probably gonna buy it. But I'm gonna feel bad about buying it. Like, this is something I should actually think about, and it's enough that stopped me from pre-ordering it. Even though part of me is like, you'd have bought it by now. It's this is a game you've wanted since Borderlands two, but eh. yeah, yep, yeah, uh. indeed. So what next? Um, should we go with like n- you know not w- as one awful what uplifting news? kind of palate cleanser one quickly? Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good idea. Okay, so this this is a fun one. So um, remember Rage Two? Yeah. Yes. Remember when Rage Two? What? Remember when um Walmart um Canada leaked that Rage Two was happening? Yep. <laughs> so in kind of a giveaway uh, the people behind Rage 2 are giving out some kind of fun Walmart leak themed controllers it's dumb it's in celebration of that it's a nice fun uh, gimmick to sell things but they are what appear to be Xbox One controllers with the store page for, for um the Rage 2 leak Printed on the outside shell. It's dumb. It's silly. It's fun. I want one. I mean, there's another thing that they've come out with that I think is like that I would use those controllers with is they actually have made a Dreamcast. Oh yeah, Rage Two Dreamcast. They that you well you could have won if you got into the last. Well, that was last weekend, I think. But it is the only Dreamcast that is capable of running Rage 2. It's technically a PC, yeah. but it's... But yeah, wow, talk about perfect controllers to go along with that Dreamcast. Yeah. Dreamcast computer. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's cool. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Do we want another palate cleanser, or do we want to <laughs> get back into one of our more annoying, or not annoying, but like <laughs> uncomfortable ones? Uh... Uh, whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, that uh, Riot Games walkout we talked about, I believe it was last week it happened. A hun- um, 150 plus employees walked out of Riot Games to protest it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those kind of don't remember we talked about previously, it's about a kind of myriad of things ranging from the ongoing kind of toxic behavior there to the fact that they have forced arbitration in their clauses. Yep. Uh, and initially riot games tried to stem this from happening by being like oh if you're a new hire we won't make you do that and obviously that did not go over well because this happened as it should have yeah and this is this is big because yeah i can't remember honestly this happening with a game studio of of a of a walkout like this on this scale yeah i i can't remember any time any I can't remember a single time a video game company's actually had employees kind of protest in this manner, period. Yeah, like actually strike, essentially, walk yeah. out. 
Yeah, the closest thing I've seen to something maybe like that would be after the big Activision Blizzard firing a couple of months ago. There were some people who were posting on Twitter, like employees who were laid off, like maybe months later, who were pissed off about the fact that you see postings for jobs that Blizzard fucking laid off that they're hiring for again. Mm -hmm. And that's the only time maybe they spoke out. And uh, it was actually, I forget who it was. I think it was somebody who was doing esports for Hearthstone. Can't remember her name, but she flat, she called out a lot of people. And then it also called out a lot of employees who were like, yeah, you can't really preach this whole Blizz Blue BS when the job postings for people you work with are now opened up again when they were laid off a while ago and they didn't get like first dibs to come back kind of thing. But even then, that's not until after they were laid off. This is like a new scale of like people actively striking or not striking but doing a walkout yeah, while is, they're hired like this is the closest we've had to a video game industry strike i think in it's history it's not quite a strike but it's yeah. yeah which i'm 100 percent for like yes. if there are policies that yeah. you are like you were super pissed off about or if there's a big issue you absolutely should have you know your say and strike as a group this is again why yep. i like to say it they need to fucking unionize the gaming industry because these companies will fucking milk you to the core, and then discard you when you are no longer useful. Yep. So, and, I, and I've heard people who were frowned upon uh, unions and this and that, because like, oh, well, then you have people who build tenure and this and that. I'm like, well, are you really going to sacrifice X amount of freedoms just because maybe a few people will take advantage of the system? Like, people are taking advantage of the system now anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah, we actually have an email. We're going to talk more about that in response to um, in our email section. Yeah. So. But yeah, I, somebody. So go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I am definitely, yeah, absolutely, totally for this. I am glad that it's happening. It needs to happen more often. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's unprecedented. I mean, this is going to go down in gaming history as the first time that a company really, especially a major company, had a major walkout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as somebody who's who I like just as for context, I have worked pretty much union the majority of my career. I am a unionized employee. And so we 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 really should save this for an email we got. Like I I'm not kidding. We got an, we got an email. Oh. I guess read it now in theory actually. We got an email specifically kind of about this. All right, topic. very cool. Okay, cool. We'll yeah. cover it then. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 should save our union talk for that because it's a it's a good email. Great. Okay. Specifically about this, cool beans. Um, yeah, let's do another palate cleanser. Um, the original Devil May Cry, not the new one, not the remastered version, not even the collection you can get off Steam, but the original Devil May Cry is headed to the Switch. That's original. That's a, um, weird. In his, hmm? why wouldn't uh, you send the remastered one? That's very odd. Don't know. This is this is them testing but, the uh, waters to get the okay. To confirm Dante for fucking ultimate, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say the the uh, as hardcore Nintendo uh, news sleuths, this is obviously their way that we get Dante into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. The same way we got Joker into Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, this is how we get Dante hmm. in there. Now the question is: Are you gonna get both Dante and Virgil as his like Echo Fighter? Mm. They're different enough. Now you say that out loud. Ah, they're different <laughs> enough. I wouldn't be happy with that. Because, I mean... Maybe Nero. Because technically, I mean, you do have Ryu and Ken, and 
They're Echo Fighters. They're similar. They're, they're similar, more similar than Virgil. They do have they different are. moves, though. It, yeah, I would argue that Virgil and Dante don't even have the same weapons. I also, my memory might be wrong. I don't think Virgil's in Devil May Cry 1. No, he's uh, not. Well, I mean, Devil May Cry franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I, I think we might, I, I think, I, I'm going to, I want to throw it out there now. This is my educated guess. We're going to see, if we do see Dante, you're going to see Virgil as an Echo Fighter. Hmm. Throwing it out there now. Yeah. I, I could see them doing that. Because it also would be a wonderful fucking stab to Marvel vs. Capcom to have both Virgil and Dante yeah. in fucking fighting game. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, yep. Um another uh not so fun one um remember that guy who tried suing star citizen for a refund when he couldn't get a refund oh yeah well he did not win that case and it has come out that he has kept buying ships yeah no he's a fucking moron i think that settles that one right there it yes but also like this speaks to kind of the intrinsic darkness that is whales and i don't know i feel bad for people like this occasionally where on one hand it's like the you have thousands of dollars to spend on fucking digital spaceships cool I, but also like this almost feels like some of a mental problem or not full mental connection at this point which is sad but yeah i i I had read about this and I thought this guy was just a, a moron at this point. But I, I saw, yeah, I saw, I read a headline that I thought was probably the most accurate description of Star Citizen, and it is Star Citizen is the fire festival of kickstarted video games. Yep. So uh, it's yep. we, we we may have to update the rank show <laughs> list actually. Yes, because of that. I it's do we want to do that now? Well, we can refresh the shit show list quickly <laughs> if we want. Yep, we we have we it all here. Could yeah, oh, it's still here. So Fire Festival still yep. number one. So yep. just to just to kind of like re remind our our listeners, we do have a ranked shit show list of things like that. And so yeah, uh, number eight was Fortnite Live. Number seven was DashCon. Number six was the E for All post E three for a while when they were on break. BS. Um. There was the Pokemon Go convention in Chicago where nobody had any fucking internet for a while and couldn't play Pokemon Go. There was the... Literally, you couldn't do the thing <laughs> there. To yeah. Play. There was the THQ Nordic 8chan AMA, oh, which worked out really a fucking glorious great glorious time oh. in video game transparency. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I'm surprised was actually lower on the list compared to the year one of E3 Public Ticket. I didn't think E3 Public Ticket was I think that bad. You are, I, I think you are forgetting just how bad that year oh, was. No, I was there. And how pissed off people were. I was there. You were there. You didn't pay to get in, though. I remember. In, you were there. I remember watching people. Extra Life. Like, yeah, I was there with Extra Life. But I remember like they'd set out free bags, and you'd just see, would, you would see this like Mad Max dystopian gathering. Piranha feeding yes, frenzy. Yeah. Every fucking time and it was just like dear god but anyway that's beside the point um number two was spider-man the musical uh if anybody followed that it was pretty bad with a lot of deaths on that whole not even when they went live but like when they were doing like rehearsals rehearsal so and then number one of course we have fire festival but yeah i think somewhere we need to throw on that list uh the star citizen saga just as a whole 
Yeah. So I, I think Star Citizen bumps everything down below Spider-Man. It, it has yet to kill or put people in yeah. danger, but it is a larger money sink than the e- than E3 public was, and it has been going on longer than all the other things on this list. I would put it in third, yeah. I would drop down everything from yeah. year one public ticket uh, and then just put Star Citizen Saga on there. Yeah. On our ranked shit show list, so. Yep, right, this feels accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the, the issue is when you get the Firefest in Spider-Man, it's the, no, people were almost killed or did die from these events. Yeah, like, if people were literally get murdered or killed, I think you can move into the number two or number one spot. Yeah, yeah. that is the problem, yeah. So, yeah, nobody's died yet from Star Citizen. It is Citizens weird that we, we have, yeah. It, yep. The list has grown, <laughs> the officially ranked shit show list. <laughs> And it's great because that didn't cost us a dime to fucking do that for Star Citizen. Thank you, Star Citizen. We appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, another palate cleanser quick. Um, uh, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint uh, it comes out October 4th. Seems like a dangerous time given the proximity to, you know, the expected Destiny 2 expansion and uh, Borderlands 3, but uh, Ubisoft's going to Ubisoft, I guess. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is the sequel to Ghost Recon Wildlands. It, unlike Wildlands, will not take place in an actual location. It takes place on Video Game Island. Not actually, but it's an island that has every video game zone one might want for a tactical espionage <laughs> game, ranging from jungle to forest to desert to beaches to volcanoes <laughs> to frosted mountains. I could not That's make hilarious. this up. Like, in the track. The, the the like twenty minute like reveal stream they did for this has this great moment where they have someone like from Ubisoft looking very Ubisoft employee being like this this island has everything it's got jungles wildlands snow it's even got a volcano and in my brain I'm like oh so it's video game island cool <laughs> yeah so this is pretty much Super Mario NES island with just like a little yes. bit of everything house well. I just, I just, yeah. I want it to have video game ice physics. I think it kind of where does, people are sliding actually. around and you can't. Oh, <laughs> so, so, so the actual, the actual line is Aurora Island, where you are going up against a rogue Ghost Recon battalion squad thing. It's not quite clear what exactly they are at this point, but they're called the Wolves. Looking at them, they are the most set of bad guys named the wolves ever <laughs> it's black body armor with like fancy helmets and shit yeah. and uh joining this game involves like prone camo where your character can like throw mud over themselves to blend into mud sliding downhill physics there's some kind of metal gear solid three snake eater survival aspects on display too it's not quite clear but again You've got mountains, swamps, snowy regions, volcanoes, and other stuff that appears in every video game. And hold on to your hats. If you're not fighting humans, you're also fighting the Google. Not called Google, called Scale Industries, the evil backbone industry from many Ubisoft games at this point, that have an island full of combat drones. (laughs) What is a Tom Clancy game at this point? (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be classes this time around. The game will launch with PvP. There's a designated kind of separation between single player and multi and like co-op mode, which I don't think is a bad thing. 
they mentioned that this is going to have raids, which, what the fuck? Sounds, uh, well, I mean, you know, you gotta do what everybody else is doing, I guess, to a certain extent. I mean, our, our, yeah, our online I, loot shooters, uh, kind of, yeah, it's like everybody has to have that. <laughs> Well, so and this is where it gets weird because at least Ghost uh, Wildlands didn't have loot. They had like stronghold things you'd wipe out to get better equipment, mm -hmm. but like everyone more or less had the same weapons, and it was about tactics and shooting mm. and stealthing yeah. and like playing the game good. The idea of putting raids into that seems ridiculous. Where it's like, okay, so there's no loot except cosmetics. There are classes, I guess, this time around, but they haven't really broken out what those are. But, yeah, I'm not going to lie, though, too. Like, I enjoyed, in concept, the original Wildlands and just kind of fell off of it because it had a little bit too much open-world bullshit. I, I kind of want to get this one. Like, I'm, I'm weirdly more excited for this than I was Division 2 because this has the shooting I want Division 2 to have, but Division 2 cannot have because loot. I've tried out. I think I have Wildlands, though. Yeah. It, if you get back into it, I might get back into it because, like, the game's not bad. It just was full of. It's this weird multiplayer kind of Grand Theft Auto that, like, three shots and you die. Like, it's very tactical. Like, it's the, the promise of what Ghost Recon Wildlands was is a fascinating thing mired in why did you put this in a real country? And also, like, you do not depict the natives of this country super great. And. Wow, we are some white people just straight murdering some Hispanic people. We are should feel weird about yeah. this. <laughs> but it's the concept remains sound, where it's kind of like, yeah, you you can go about missions wherever you want, and if you're playing with a friend, you can like tactical the fuck up, where it's like, okay, one of you will play front man, the other one's like, will snipe or something like that. Like it's gameplay wise, it is like one shot, one kill. Silencers make a huge fucking difference. If you're playing right, you can Rambo like a motherfucker in this game. It's inherently a cool game, so I'm glad it's getting a sequel. I'm glad it's getting a more gamey sequel where it's like, no, 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 we're stripping out any realism. So you have to feel bad about our weird Murder Island simulator. <laughs> but, yeah. Ghost Recon Breakpoint, coming October 4th. Want to talk about EA next? Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's go, EA. Surely yep. they've, they've, they've turned into full humanitarian efforts and they've done good things. And they're, they're, they're going to take care of their employees. Yeah. They're going to usher in a new renaissance of gaming, right? Yeah. Right? Well, we have nothing about that this week, really. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to kind of the weird EA stuff. So uh, EA Access, that kind of EA subscription service that got you access to Anthem and a bunch of their older games, too, for just a low monthly fee. Uh, is finally coming to PlayStation 4 in July. Uh, for those who don't remember this, at, a while back when this launched on Microsoft, and they were asked if this was coming to a Sony platform. Sony was like, no. <laughs> why? And that's obviously changed. But now we get to the Anthem News part of EA. So, I believe we talked briefly about the concept of Elysian chests at one point on this podcast. They were the thing that was keeping me going, if you will, in Anthem, they were a chance to get cosmetics for your javelin. Mm. You did some dailies, you got some keys, you did the um, in-game equivalent of Strike, the uh, Strongholds, you got access to some chests, you popped the chests, and everyone in your party could then 
loot the chest for kind of arranging from generic materials to some low-level cosmetics, some high-level cosmetics. It was it was possible to get cool stuff out of these chests. Oh, so clearly what the they've Elysian... done is they've increased the drop rate and made all the gamers happy, right? You would think that might be a smart move to go, <laughs> especially when there were like hundreds of things to get from Elysian mm. chests. But no. They have removed the Elysian chests. Surprise, Pikachu face. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's e even I'm not willing to kind of try and spin this one into a not cynical angle. This is a we need to get the last bits of money out of this goddamn thing that we can via microtransactions before we gut it and put it on a shelf. But it's dead fucking game. Yeah, it's not looking good at this point. It's, it's bizarre. Maybe not totally dead, but it's definitely not doing well. It's on life support. Well, I mean, come on. To be fair, I mean, it's been out all of yeah, how uh, many months? <laughs> four. Four. I mean, that's a big life yeah. cycle for a game, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's ten huge. years. Whatever. Yeah. No. But I'm sure Who wants to play a live service game for more than a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, remember Destiny's three month haul? They did pretty good, and they were stretching with three months. Yeah. Four months was way too long. I think it's time to really start shelving this. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You know what they say about World of Warcraft all the time? It went on too long. <laughs> It should have been a one-month window to play it, and then they should have ended yeah. it. It was a war, goddammit. Ten years of war sounds hellish. Uh, I'm not going to make a comment about that yeah. in terms of how that relates to real life, but anyway. Um, yeah, no, but you know what? You're right. I mean, th these games aren't meant to that last that long. They're only supposed to be meant to be played yeah. a little bit, and that's it. Especially Life service games especially. I mean, single-player games, people expect it. But, like, live service games? No, they should definitely be done after... A few months, I mean. Yeah. 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 Especially <laughs> if you own the server, you could just shut it off then, and the game is no longer playable at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right, though. AAA title. Yeah. Don't worry, EA. I mean, things... It's hard. It's hard to release a full game. So hard that EA got out there and said... The old way of releasing video games doesn't work anymore. Which is complete and utter bullshit. So, I don't completely disagree with them, but I also don't think EA gets to be the one to say this. Yeah. Like, it's... Like, if Bungie was out there saying, like, yeah, a traditional release system for Destiny 3 will not, like, is not the best approach for Destiny 3, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I believe that. Like, hell, Blizzard's been doing a non-traditional release kind of for all of World of Warcraft's life, where it's the, yeah, you're, you're paying for stuff, but we are releasing more content for the most part when it's ready kind of mm -hmm. thing, and it, it, it's li it, it's the live part of a live service at that point, if you will. Like, it, it's, it's shitty to say it, but, like, I think the only two games that have actually really just stuck the whole live service that aren't MMOs are The Division 2 to a certain extent, mm -hmm. and I, I guess Destiny, but probably more Diablo 3, in all honesty. Hmm. So, so I'm going to go on the negative on this one here, because I think this is EA's okay, way of fucking scapegoating that they completely oh, botched no, and fucked up Anthem when they had, yeah. they literally had the hype train behind them. People were fucking stoked. Yeah. We were excited. And they, it's the equivalent of blowing like a, th was it that lead in the Super Bowl where they're like 17 points up and they just literally fumbled it and just completely fucked it up. So th here, here's what 
what they're talking what about. What Alex is referring to is when the uh, New England Patriots beat the Falcons after they, after they were up. I think it was like 27 to 28 or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Literally just like you, you just, just be there. Like <laughs> that's all you had to do. But no, they literally yeah. found the way to just fuck it up. So this is EA's way of saying, you know what? We're going to focus more on doing soft launches and soft releases. Like, which is, by the way, for a game, I think complete and utter bullshit. And I've yelled at fucking Blizzard for doing the same shit when they announced yep. the new races for the BFA and locked it behind who knows how many fucking months of bullshit in the first place. Um, so to say, like, you know what? Yeah, the old method doesn't work. I don't, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Red Dead Redemption 2 launched the old way, AAA title, big game, and they fucking crushed it. Yeah. They did great. Um, there's an asterisk there. Okay, there's an asterisk for the online part. But you still... You, yeah, that, that's a big asterisk, though, too. Yeah, but you still get a good single-player experience. Granted, at the end of the story, yeah. but you still get a game completed. Yeah. The difference here is that if EA releases another live-service game, you can't just like continue through the first part if chunk of the game is not completed. Like It's, it's, yep. a, it's also a stupid artificial way to increase pre-sales and basically cut out like which I, which I don't mind this part so much because it cuts out the GameStop middleman in a way because mm -hmm. they can kind of control their pre-sales which is fine whatever I, that that I've got no problem with but like it's a way to art artificially inflate those numbers and to literally milk people for something that they don't know they're going to get yet it's the same reason people do those stupid fucking oh hey if you pre-order now you get to play the beta like which is a skimmy fucking tactic to begin with. Uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll even double down on the, like, the Anthem one is especially tragic because the actual gameplay to that, like, I know Alex isn't as big a fan as I am, I like playing that game still. I just have no fucking reason to play it. Like, the issues with that game have nothing, uh, have minimal to do with second-to-second -second gameplay. That's the one part of that game everyone seems to agree is defendably fun. It's the rest of the bullshit around yeah. it. Yeah. That's the problem at that point. So, so that game is suffering from what I like to call the Matrix Online syndrome, and sure. it's that the Matrix Online was beautiful and it played really well for its time. Mm. No, 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 for its time. Now it's really fucking dated. But for its time, the stuff you could do, like hyper jumping around buildings and all that stuff, that stuff was great. But there was nothing to fucking. I will do. give you, it was novel at the time. Yeah. So now it's definitely fucking aged for sure. But now it's even dead, so we can't even compare it. But yep. anyway, um, for its time, it was great. But the problem is, it doesn't matter if the game looks nice and it plays well. If there's no no content and stuff to do, the game's a fucking wash. Yeah. Like, like, and and it Anthem is going through Matrix Online syndrome. It looks really nice and it plays really nice, but there isn't shit to do. Hell, the main the the main source of doing like end game content is to run it a yep. janky way because running the actual hard difficulty is slower for progression than running yep. the, the lower difficulty. Yep. If that's the way your game plays, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. And instead, they're like, you know what? Releasing games the old way doesn't work. Yes, it does. When you have a completed fucking product that works. Yeah. And you're willing to actually invest in that product and like care about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know when an old method works is is when you don't cut the fucking.
fucking main devs and people who are working on the game a few months into the product being released when the game already has problems. Yeah. You know, you know when the game actually works is when you hold a stream that actually has content and questions you can answer from viewers instead of playing for 30 fucking minutes and then being upset people aren't talking about the level design for the game when people have other concerns and then talking about the fucking weather. Yep. I don't give a fuck what the weather's like outside in your building. I, I'm watching your stream because I care about what the game is. Like, what's going on with it? Yeah, that old method works when you don't do shit like that. And this is EA's fucking scapegoat excuse. And it, it hate, I hate to say it, but they're going to fucking get away with it. Well, yeah. Until, and, and, and it's hard to say because the EA owns so many sports franchises. Stop buying EA's bullshit. Yep. Yeah, so. don't buy from EA. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you want to actually teach them a lesson? You can't buy the game and then tweet at them. They already have your money. They don't care. Yeah. I mean, do you think they yeah. really, really care? No, they don't. They've already gotten your money. If you've bought the game and then you're like, hey, be better, they're like, uh -huh, we already have your money. Why? Why? That, there's no impetus for them to be better if you just buy their game anyways. That being said, if there is a game that you do actually enjoy, mm -hmm. and it happens to be that EA makes, then support your money for that game. Yeah. Don't don't support the shitty fuck. Like, okay, Apex Legends got a lot of shit for their season pass, and I didn't buy their season pass. But there were a few yeah. characters I wanted to buy in Apex Legends, and I went on ahead and dropped the money to buy them because I enjoyed playing Apex Legends. So that's fine. But, like, you don't owe these companies shit. Nope. So Hence the... Rewind it. That's the issue with Borderlands right now. I want to play Borderlands, but man, are there problems with wanting to play Borderlands? Yeah. So, hell, I, it's it's also my little fiasco. I shit on Blizzard all the fucking time, yet I still play World of Warcraft because I, I there's an abusive relationship. It's a pretty fucking abusive relationship. I'm not gonna be shy about that. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, good job, EA. You literally managed to fuck it up. You're. Was it the Patriots lost, or was it the Falcons who lost? I forget. Falcons yeah. lost. Yeah, you literally managed to fucking fucking this shit up. So good job, guys. The palate cleanser. Sure. That Final Fantasy... That's not Fatal Fantasy. That'd be a different game altogether. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake is still totally apparently alive. And we're going to hear more at E3. Did you, know? you see the trailer that dropped for that? It looks oh, good. Yeah, God, great. it looks but, pretty. But my but thing it, is, it, is like... Oh, go ahead. I don't think anybody, I don't know if, I'm sure Henry noticed this, but like, did you notice it's not like a turn-based RPG, but more like an action-y? Oh yeah, tons of people have noticed that. It's It's been pretty confirmed it's going to have like the Final Fantasy 15 fighting system. Yep. Okay. Okay. I, this has been a known thing for a while. I hadn't noticed that in the newer, because I haven't played the newer Final Fantasies, so I was like, this is not the combat system I remember from my Final Fantasy. I'm a little concerned. They haven't been turn-based since, I want to say, yeah. 10? Ten was probably the last turn base, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes it makes sense that it's like that. But my thing is, is like, and this is coming from somebody. All right. So I literally bought a PlayStation One for Final Fantasy VII, like straight up. That was that. I bought it for that, and that's the first game I had for it. I I still have it around. I still have the game around. But I mean, I liked that game. I enjoyed the heck yeah. out of it. I put so many a stupid amount of hours into it. But why does, my question is, is like, why we don't, I don't really care. I'm probably not going to buy the re-release because 
and it's like I don't know. It's just kind of weird. It's like who who really asked for this? So this many years later, I mean, the the uh oh okay. So I as hand wavy as this may come off, it's not intended to. This game is not for anyone on this podcast. There are people out there that I don't think any of us personally know. I think I dated one actually at one point that like this Final Fantasy VII remake is for them. Yeah, like, it's. If you have been to an anime convention recently, you will see shit from Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, you still see Cloud what? and yeah, you still see yeah yeah Final Fantasy characters around. I, I I could not tell you why. Maybe it's just kind of how that game impacted some people. Maybe it's the Eris stuff. Maybe it's right place, right time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it yeah but, yeah that game has stuck with people in a way that I don't think any other RPG I've ever played ever has. Like, it's the, it's not even my favorite Final Fantasy, but I gotta respect the fact that for whatever reason, there is a fan base around that game still Yeah, that this is totally for. And hell, to a certain extent, I would play this because the last time I played Final Fantasy VII was close to two decades ago. Yep. Like I said, when it came out, that's why I bought my PlayStation 1. Yeah, it's... This just isn't for us, is the real mm-hmm. answer. Like, it's it's no more complicated than that. Like, it, it that being said, it looks good. Mm-hmm. Like, the graphics look good. Like, it's the, if you were going to make a Final Fantasy VII remake, I'd want to look like this. Yeah. I'd want it to be turn-based, personally, but also, hey, if this is what people want, cool. It's, like... I haven't cared about Final Fantasy since Final Fantasy X. Even that one I played because it was a long ass game. I only might buy one video game for the next <laughs> kind of situation. And hey, it worked. Yeah, my my well, my favorite in the series is still Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, I like nine. Yeah, Tactics. Yeah, that's probably always. It, I don't see anything knocking it off by number one spot for Final Fantasy games. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I like Final Fantasy Seven a lot. Um, it does have a fantastic story. It is a really good game, and it is. I think it's because for a lot of people, it was the, I mean, it well, A, it was the big jump to 3D for the Final Fantasy series. Mm-hmm. And but and also when it came out, there hadn't been a Final Fantasy for a good while. Like Final Fantasy VI had come out ages ago by that point. So, I mean, so it was also kind of a reintroduction to the entire series of Final Fantasy. It was. So, I, so yeah, I I definitely understand why it kind of holds a bit of a special place in, in game history to a certain extent. But yeah, it's yeah, uh, much like that that thing sold consoles. Yeah, yeah, it sold me a console. I mean, so I can straight up say that. It was also the fact that it moved away from having Final Fantasies for a while. We didn't have any Final Fantasies on a Nintendo console. Uh, uh, Was it the first kind of not? Fantasy setting Final Fantasy. Like, yes, it's still pretty no, fantastical. You game, play... but it's got like technology. Six, six has technology. It has mecha. Right. Yeah. So no, no, they've they've been doing that for a while. I think it was maybe not until four that they started to throw in some some real technology rather than just sort of like sure. because even like in the in the first one. To make the airship work, it takes like a magical stone. So I mean, I I think yeah. it's but yeah, you don't start to see technology until like 
four and six really, and six is really where you see a lot of it. So, but yeah, no, sure, yeah, it that that might be the change for some people too. I don't know. I I can't remember if Tom Barry chefs were in that one though. It's not a game unless it's Tom Barry chef in it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely likes fucking Tom Barry shit. Yeah, six has a lot of it. Six actually, a lot of the world of six feels like the world of seven in in a lot of different ways. Just the industrialization and the use of technology and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, I totally get that. But I I'm not sure if this is the game I'll buy buy like personally buy. Yeah, yeah, I I think I I'm gonna go back to my initial statement of. This game is not for any of us necessarily. It looks cool. It's I am happy for those Final Fantasy fans that are going to get some nice up res version. Yeah. Of it. I don't know. It, I could, and here's the thing too. I'm not sure they care about the gameplay as much as they care about the story. It really point. was and, about the story. I mean, yeah, the yeah. the games the system was the same system that they had in six and in five. The, the active time battle system for for the turn based system. But yeah, but yeah. It, it was the story. It was the story of of seven that brought people in. Yeah, and I think that's why the kind of gameplay change will be fine ultimately for most yes. people. But yeah, that's probably the biggest thing to come out of that state of play event they had from Sony. Yep. But now for a not so great one: the U.S. Senate is introducing a bill to ban loot boxes. And pay to win microtransactions, but not as much as I. Not not completely though. Sorry. Yeah, no, there's definitely a loophole in this one. Yeah. Explain this loophole. I so it's it seems like it's on the ones it's well I mean it's kind of loosey goosey <laughs> in a certain sense it says well, because it's for games played by minors, and so it seems like they would yeah. be banning them for games that are like you know E for everyone rated. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, it doesn't ban them from having you purchase currency to buy stuff. It only bans you buying that stuff directly, like buying the loot box yep. or buying the uh, the pay-to-win item. It doesn't stop Which, you from buying the currency to buy it. And I would argue that in a couple instances, games have already started moving away from the traditional loot box. Yeah. Even. Like, it's... Oh, so many games have already gone to the idea that loot boxes only contain cosmetics or things that yeah. you can get normally, like anything, like, you know, just... Because there are the also the loot boxes where, oh yeah, that's a thing that you could just get through the game normally, but now you've got it immediately. So, I mean, that's... And those yes. are things that I'm fine with. It's the pay-to-win. Well, so uh, let, let's take a step back as you read in on this entire yes. story. We kind of we jumped right to our reactions to yeah. this. Uh, Senator Josh Howley, Howley, have you pronounced it? Republican from what Missouri. the hell is M.O.? Missouri uh, is introducing the the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act to the U.S. Senate floor. It targets, um, uh, basically, as we said, kind of kids under the age of eighteen. It stops microtransactions being aimed at them. To exact quote, uh, whose developers knowingly allow minors to pl- players to engage in microtransactions. See, and yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, they've been, it, you know, and we've been talking about this for a while. Multiple countries have already been kind of testing the waters on this as well. Yeah. And the FTC, the USA's Federal Trade Commission, has already been looking into the 
this as well. I mean, so this isn't like a sudden development. This is, I think this really is kind of testing the waters. And so, I mean, and this also isn't something that's running along party lines either, any sort of political party lines. This is, well, it, the, the initial FTC investigation was started by a Democrat. And and yeah, and today's today's I, bill, or I should I said today, uh, this bill is is by Republicans. So it's not even something that's necessarily like it, it, this is a this is a nonpartisan issue, and I think it is very much worth looking into. But yeah, but honestly, I think this one there's a lot of all right. If you if you read any part of the bill, it's really vague. There's too much vagueness in the bill and that's where my problem lies is that i don't want the u.s government to have regulatory control over any aspect of game development like it's if you said keep government out of video games or get rid of loot or but keep loot boxes as they are or the other i'd pick keep loot boxes as they are in all honesty like i think it's it's not a perfect solution but i do think just kind of based on public opinion and engagement we're already moving in the correct direction, and I don't want a bunch of stodgy old people saying, like, well, now that we're in, we want to ban Mortal Kombat because we just don't think it's the right family. Yeah, so, I mean, I and I think, yeah, I think it is, you can make a slippery slope argument here that, yeah, like, once, yeah. it's, it's, we're already diving into some weird territory when you're starting to prevent I mean, so loot boxes are a game mechanic. When you're starting to ban game, what's in a sense game mechanics, yep. we're getting into some. I don't. I think this is this is a bill. I I and I'm going to say, you know, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it's a cynical attempt at it either. I think it's genuine because there again, this is something that's being looked at and investigated in multiple countries. But I think I think they're See, going the I, wrong I, direction. They're they're coming at it from the wrong direction. They're 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 looking to instead of regulation, they're looking at banning and uh yeah, it, but you know and I'm fine with regulation. Regulation we regulate tons of it in, industries without really interfering in them too much. Like I mean the film industry is regulated. The TV industry is regulated. So I mean, you know, and but it's self-regulated too. It's not being regulated by a government entity. No, but the FTC regulates them too. The FTC very much regulates yes. TV and movies, or or no, movies more. Yeah. Yes. So the FTC is in fact regulating all these. That's why certain. That's why certain things are kind of not allowed in, in the business in business practices in general. So I mean, we regulate things now, and it kind of helps to keep them safer. But I think this is the wrong tact. It's going towards banning a game mechanic and i yeah i don't feel that does not feel right to me that does that feels like in a weird overreach when like i said regulation would do the job better and that's what other countries have been doing too like you know they mention uh like or you know denmark in which we've mentioned denmark before and like belgium's looked into it and they're all you know and some countries are looking at hey you know this is already here, but let's regulate it instead of just a blanket ban. Right, but we also have to bring up the fact that a variety of countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, have decided that loot boxes aren't 
Yeah. However, Denmark that, in particular, I thought, decided that they are regulating them, though. Possibly, yeah. It's, uh, I think the impression I'm getting based off what I'm reading is that this is aimed more as a gambling argument for it, and what, what makes me uncomfortable is that it's the... There are problems with Google and Facebook. Howley has a bit of a history of going after those two for the wrong reasons, I might argue. But, but the thing is, like... The, but, yeah. I mean, they're kind of... Alright, they said that about Denmark, but, you know, I, that's funny that they bring up Denmark, because, no, Denmark actually has called loot boxes gambling. Like, in certain... But only in certain it? situations. So, basically, if it can be traded, uh, then then it's then it can... Uh, so, loot boxes can be gambling if the loot boxes or items can be traded around. And so... Yeah. That, no, so I mean that's that's even uh, I, that kind of irritated me because I knew that immediately. The, that's the ESA not really being truthful. All right, so I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna rate yeah. that kind of pants on fire when they say that Denmark is said that it's not gambling. When in fact they say yes, as a matter of fact, it is in certain situations, and they just put a caveat on it because they're again they're they're not taking a they're taking a nuanced approach, and I like that. Like Denmark, take is taking a very nuanced approach to dealing with loot boxes, and so, like I said, in this yeah. case, it is if there can uh, basically the reason for the trading caveat is that means that there could be monetary gain or loss, and so yeah, and so that's really where they're you know that's that's their nuance on it. That's where they're drawing the line. And so, yeah, and so, like, yeah, so, I mean, that makes sense. But, I mean, for for the ESA to say something like that, uh, to, to literally list, that's pants on fire lying. And so, I don't like that either. So, no, we're, we're yeah, so, not only are, do we have a bill that I don't think is the right bill, though I think the, you know, there again, I think it's a discussion that needs to be had, but also ESA's response is pants on fire lying? I wouldn't go that. Far. I think it's judging the truth some, but yeah, it's not being completely honest about a situation. I mean, here, I mean, I could, I could, you know, yeah. No, no, no. It's if you can trade items, it's gambling. It's not gambling if you can't trade items. Is the kind of simple of it. Yeah, but yeah, that's that. So yeah, that's the ESA. That's pants on fire lying. That's completely, completely. Yeah, that's a straight up lie. Denmark actually has said, yeah, so I mean, there we go. Well, so I, I, the game, I guess the game the Sander mostly targets is um, Candy Crush, and I do not know if Candy Crush has tradable items in it or not. Like that, That's not making it better or not. That's yeah. A, you're going to pick from anything with microtransactions, really? Candy Crush? Well, that's, it's because that's a common one that could, that's played by a lot of kids. Is it? I don't actually know what kids, like, are kids still playing Candy Crush? I don't actually know the answer to that question. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I got the impression kids were playing the Fortnite and... Pokemon Go. That TikTok thing, yeah. Not even Pokemon Go, I thought that was kind of like people in their mid, like, in like 20s to 30s, in mid-30s categories. Like, I, it's, Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure most kids just play Fortnite now. I could be totally wrong about that, but I don't... Like, it's the... The Candy Crush crowd is adults. Yeah, who have money is my impression. Like it's, 
I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure I ever knew kids to be playing Candy Crush. It was my family that's like, yo, you playing Candy Crush? And me going, no. <laughs> but You should play Candy Crush. I got Bejeweled on my phone. What's Bejeweled? It's Candy Crush. Yeah, I think, I think there again, I, I would give this bill the bit of the, of the doubt. I don't think it was made. It'll think, I don't think it was written cynically. But yeah, sure. I think it's wrongheaded. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. Another palate cleanser? Yeah. <laughs> they are making a asymmetrical predator multiplayer game. It sounds amazing. I, I'm, I'm actually I just hyped wish they were putting idea. Predator in Dead by Daylight. Yep, yep basically that's that's the equivalent. So I mean uh, yeah, I I like Dead by Daylight a lot, even if I don't play it that much, like in a certain sense. But yeah, I like that game a lot and I think Predator is as an asymmetrical multiplayer multiplayer game, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I think that's amazing. You could basically do do a a, a, a recreation of the first Predator movie. Yeah, I, I guess the one issue I have is I remember Evolve a little too distinctly, mm. and this feels kind of very evolve I guess, and like I said, I'd rather they just put the Predator in Dead by Daylight and gave you a jungle map or something. And yes, I get it. That's not what that game is, et cetera, et cetera. But there are ways of adapting what the Predator is to make him fit into that game that I think, like, it's... Of all the asymmetrical multiplayer games, that one has proven itself to be the best. Kind of the only one with legs, ultimately. Like, Ape- um, not Apex, um, Evolve went down the drain. Yeah. Fuck, even Friday the 13th went down the drain. Like, it's the. I genuinely enjoy the combat of Dead by Daylight compared to the other ones that have existed Mm -hmm. out there. So, but at the same time, I remember the um, the, um, Mercs vs. Spies mode from Splinter Cell that I would argue is comparable to this, but I, I am cynical about the idea of trying to build the entire asymmetrical multiplayer based off of one character and maybe if it comes out at like 40 bucks and they're like yo it's four maps we're not supporting it have fun i would be like yeah cool fuck it whatever that doesn't seem what they're doing in this case and yeah and that's and that's ultimately kind of the problem with friday the 13th is even yep. even though the different jasons were like actually different like you had it's still jason had, yeah it's still jason all of, you could only be jason you, you, and they and they, you know credit they did actually make them all play differently, like the the al- the still alive Jason from say you know like two and three, uh, from uh, the still alive Jason from two and three is faster, like way faster on his feet. Yeah, and the other ones are just bigger and stronger. It it it's it, but yeah, I think Predator. That's what Predator is going to have to be fighting against. Is they're going to put some really a lot of good choice in how to either custom build a predator or have wildly different predators that play that have a lot of enough difference in their play style that it makes them interesting to play that gives you a reason to actually play everybody else. I mean that's Dead by Daylight in a nutshell. That's what Dead by Daylight did really well is it has tons of killers and all of them play so vastly different from each other, like completely differently, completely different meta. So I mean uh, yeah yeah, I th- I am hyped. Well, I'm I'm hype, cautiously hype, I yeah. guess, about a predator uh, async asynchronous or asymmetrical multiplayer game. So yeah, 
Yeah, and my one concern is that this is four verse one as opposed to one versus four. I know it sounds like a weird distinction to make, but in Dead by Daylight, one person is actively hunting down four people. This is four people actively hunting down one person who's also actively hunting them down, and that's what Evolve was, and Evolve had real problems. Yeah. And balancing and stuff. I, it's, I, I would like this to be cool. I'd also like this to... Like, oh. If this, again, if this is going to be some budget title of, like, hey, here's four maps, one Predator, have fun, we're done, I'd be more okay with that than the slow kind of death rattles that were Evolve, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Balance is... Balance is hard in games that aren't asymmetrical. And yeah. the, the fact that Dead by Daylight is still rolling, and they're even like, well, I saw that... I guess this is sort of side news that they've got the license for Scream, and so Ghostface is going to appear mm. as the next killer. Nice. They dropped that recently, so that's... The licenses they've gotten for Dead by Daylight are ridiculous. Yeah. I love the fact that it has and all these different horror movie licenses, and it's done them all extremely the well. They, like, like That's what's gonna say. I think it's one of those things where like, they're getting them because they're doing them so yeah. well. Like, it's... All of them, like, you know, like, the, you know, Freddy Krueger is really interesting and cool the way he works in the game his his game mechanics are so absolutely completely different from everybody else's michael myers is awesome the the uh the saw killer is also super it's yeah so but yeah that's that's the thing and i yeah i mean there's yeah i would say that i am cautiously excited about predator yeah it it could be something we shall see though I, I, I get to the. I want it to be good because the obvious first DLC bad guy for it is Alien. Yeah. Is you know. Yeah. Like it's the, the, the there's obvious things you could do with that that would be cool, but also I remember Evolve way too goddamn well, and I remember them trying to make an eSport out of it and a whole bunch of things that were just. Mm. But moving on, you need a second to like stretch yourself or something, Alex. What's going to happen next? <laughs> <sighs> Need a warm up. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna take a sip of my water really quick here. One second. All right. Do a line or two to get yourself prepped for yeah. this. Uh, all right. I'm gonna rub this hot sauce in my eyes. <laughs> Let me get yep. started here. Just punch yourself right in the dick. Yeah. You know what? Let me. I'm just gonna punch myself in the dick a few times. Really get the feel going here. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, oh, well, oh! The difference here makes when we talk about BlizzCon. Wow. I know. Oh. Don't worry. Wait till I even tell you about some of the other fun BlizzCon stuff. So, uh, that magical time of year again, uh, when BlizzCon details start to materialize out of the ether, whether they be rumors or breakdowns of things or variety of reports or ticket-selling apps or human effigies, whatever you want to call them, and as always, our Blizzard expert Alex is going to run you through what we now know about BlizzCon, and because I'm laughing, you know it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, uh, BlizzCon announced their ticket sales, which already happened, so both tickets are, both waves of tickets are completely sold out. Um, but this year, they had a uh, a special tier. Cause you, well, so, okay, in the past, they've had the BlizzCon Pass, which is a general admission pass for everyone in the uh, in the in the event, right? And then they had the benefit dinner, which is a really nice like charity 
ticket because a good chunk of it went towards um chalk children's hospital or yeah chalk which is the children's yeah. hospital in orange county uh so this year they included what they called a blizzcon portal pass Ooh, fancy right so blizzcon portal pass is essentially the speed premium pass for blizzcon uh for the general vet not the benefit dinner for the general vet so on top of you getting the normal stuff which is your live event ticket the blizzcon goodies the collectible that you get because they're not doing the bags anymore they're doing a collectible which i'm kind of okay with because the bag is usually just a bunch of shit i usually hang on to and then eventually throw away but having one collectible is pretty nice so i'll let that one go mm. um there's also night at the fair which is the dark moon fair thursday night access over there Ooh, the fair yeah oh there's also the portal pass lounge with concessions the chance to meet blizzard employees and esports pros the chance, <laughs> the chance to meet Blizzard employees and esport pros from and more concierge support, which I have no idea what the fuck that means. Um, what else? I oh. more love the idea they're advertising the chance to do something. <laughs> like maybe they'll show up. Maybe we're gonna put you in a room, and if they choose to show up, you can talk to them. If not, well. We tried. Yeah. Oh, so let me give you some. So, the Night at the Fair is a special preview of the Dark Moon Fair event they have at BlizzCon, which is full of activities and opportunities to buy some stuff. So, you can oh. actually to go and buy some stuff, man. Ah, yes. My favorite part of BlizzCon. Yeah. The fact that you're paying to attend a marketing yep. event. Mm hmm. Yep. You do get early entry into the convention center, of course. Uh, before the general pass holders, which is whatever, I'm not, not anything special. You do get convenience perks and parking. You get preferred lines for parking and registration, although you still need to pay for the parking. While the, sp while the spaces are still available, standard parking fees still apply. So, there's that. And you get early access to their store. So you're paying to go early into the store, <laughs> Charlie! Uh... Charlie! I... Yeah. Early access to the store! I, I'll i say it again. Oh, what a difference a year makes when we talk about BlizzCon. <laughs> mm, I know, right? So, oh, so um, just to kind of also hit it on the head. Um, BlizzCon passes this year, I believe, $225, I think they are, mm -hmm. for BlizzCon mm -hmm. Pass. The chance to go to the store early and maybe meet a dev and all that stuff is $550. Ooh. Whoa, wow. That's buy a PlayStation 5 money, potentially. Yeah, yeah. so $229 is a, is a price for the standard ticket, but that, 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 that BlizzCon Portal Pass, bro. Yes. Five such, fucking 50. Such a great deal. Yeah. The Star Wars experience at fucking Disneyland is cheaper than that. <laughs> So, anyway, e figure that's the end of the BlizzCon drama, whatever, right? Yeah, it is what it is. It's BlizzCon, right? Oh, no. <laughs> it gets better. I, Alex, here's the issue. Your psycho tactics don't work on me because I remember our conversation <laughs> about BlizzCon last year. This is my way of venting out these frustrations in a way where I can say it happily instead of being depressed. Over this whole thing, I got to watch you. I got to watch you crack open in a podcast from 
It's fine to. Why are you doing this to me? I know. And I gotta hold that L. I gotta hold that L. So continue. So so um, you know, I will say over the years, BlizzCon has been really good about trying to battle uh scalpers and things like that. Sure. And you know, like yeah, they they have they've done Eventbrite and this and that. So this year, decided to go with a company named AXS or Access. So what's pretty nifty? You do have a setup where you would you don't get a paper ticket anymore or a confirmation email thing or you do get a confirmation email but the confirmation email tells you to download the app and log in and pull your information so you can pull up your ticket and what it does is it creates a QR code on your phone that changes every once in a while to verify that it's you and that you're the owner of the ticket so um if you have four tickets assigned to that QR code or to that account you would show up with that person and all four would get picked up right that seems like a good system, right? Mm. Right? Yeah. Except when you look at all the privacy permissions that the app asks for in order to get installed on your phone. So at, for a ticket application, just, just to kind of, let's go over this real quick here. <clears throat> for a ticket application, what would you think the, the, an app would need? Like to just have your QR code and all that. What do you think it would need? Jeep. Uh, GPS, storage, camera, and um, I'm going to say voice for no reason. Mm, okay. So this app on the Android store asks for the following. It wants access to read your contacts, an approximate location network base. It wants a precise location GPS and network base. It wants access to take pictures and videos. It wants access to view your Wi-Fi connections and view Wi-Fi connection information. It also wants to receive data from the Internet, view your network connections, pair with Bluetooth devices, on its own, full network access to prevent the device from sleeping, view your network connections, read battery statistics, pair with Bluetooth devices, access Bluetooth settings, full network access, run at startup, control vibration, prevent device from sleeping, and modifying system settings. Wow. That's, that's not, like, overreaching at all. Mm-hmm. It's a ticketing app. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, oh no, so the moment I found out this was the AXS app, I'm like, oh no! This is like so. In, in the, I used to go to a lot of concerts. I still do, I guess, technically. But in that world, the AM, the Access app is known as a thing of evil. Like it is a thing you install the day of the concert and then uninstall the moment you can. I have installed that thing in line to show tickets and taken it off promptly right after that. Yeah, yeah. and had the phone in like airplane. Yeah, mode. and in comparison, yeah. like Eventbrite, I think that asks for like almost nothing. Like I I have the event right app on yes. my phone, and as I remember, like that asks for almost no permissions, like almost nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are pretty concerned because it's it's quite a thing. Now you do have a lot of people who are like, well, you could just disable all the permissions that it asks for, and the app will still run. So technically, not well. Yeah, it still it still will run. So to believe the idea that it won't like. <laughs> that it won't collect all that stuff and you can just disable it. It, it. Its function is to show a fucking ticket. That's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then people are like, well, you already gave your information to Blizzard. Herp-a-derp-a-derp. I'm like, yeah, no, I gave it to Blizzard. I didn't give it to fucking Access. There's a difference. Like, I, I know what I'm paying into. But see, here's all the fun stuff. AXS and their, like, privacy policy and all that stuff from the information it collects from your phone. Um... It shares this information with a laundry list of advertisers, marketers, unknown, quote-unquote, yeah. 
clients, and third-party services, including and not limited to Google double-click ads, which are the shitty, super terrible, spammy ads you see all over the fucking internet, Facebook, and basically whoever else the company feels deserves this personal information. Because it also says they reserve the right to share your personal information with current and future affiliated entities, subsidiaries, and parent companies. Yep. Oh, yeah, no. Um, Axis is a no... In the Metalhead community, they get a lot of the venues that show Metalhead shows. It is a known bane. Like, the point where there is a place you can go pick up physical tickets from AXS, and I call them AXS, but I call them Axis, because AXS sounds eviler. You can go pick up the tickets physically, and days of certain shows, you will see giant lines at the pickup place because people just refuse to use their mm. app. Mm-hmm. So, on top of all this other bullshit it does, and all the nonsense it collects, people were like, well, you can just disable the permissions, but here's the thing. How many people are tech-savvy enough to know to disable certain permissions or just assume, oh, well, I'll just go ahead and approve everything because I need my ticket? Yeah. It is I, I remember, super... If okay. I remember correctly, too, it starts throwing a temper tantrum pretty quickly if you start disabling certain permissions. Like, it's the... I, I want to say it won't let you buy stuff through the app, actually, if you have location data turned off. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'm I remembering my time with it and it just being like, man, me being like, you are a bad app. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I, I, yeah. Access tickets, period. Their website's also pretty shitty. Yeah. And they're now the only ticket processor for BlizzCon 2019. Because sure, remember, why wouldn't you be? Because remember last year when you weren't sure if people had phones? In the first place. Yeah. Well, if you want to go pick up your physical tickets, the Palladium, I believe, is an access ticket distribution hub. They are forced to give you physical copies of digital tickets. Yep. There. Yeah, but you can't use this for BlizzCon. Yeah, fair. The only way for you, if... And mind you, BlizzCon themselves says, or Blizzard says, hey, if for whatever reason you have an issue with the app or, like, can't get your tickets, you can come see us at the Solutions Desk. So you're going to see a long fucking line at the Solutions yeah. Desk this year. So not only do you have the line to get into the Convention Center, but you're going to be getting in line to just be able to pick up your tickets, which is the system before, which is fine. But now it's just really counterproductive defeats the purpose of the app Mm -hmm. yeah and on top of that if i want to be able to get my tickets really quick i have to go through this whole fucking nonsense bullshit just to do it yeah no and how does it and i'm thinking you know what well you know what there's there's a method to this madness we'll let all this slide because this is going to help with scalpers this is going to help with oh no sell option in a in their app oh don't worry i'm getting to that one baby we're not even done yet. This, this rabbit hole goes deeper, baby. So. It's weird hearing someone talk about this thing I thought everyone knew was shitty. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So. um, So the tickets are, let's say, you know, obviously BlizzCon tickets are sold out. And uh, you, I'll say you can't make it to the event anymore or if you want to try buy some tickets to BlizzCon, right? So. um, The official BlizzCon Pass Exchange, and this is what's posted on the BlizzCon website, is that there are fair prizes and no hidden fees. And this is all good. So you'd have to go into the uh, access page, buy your tickets, or and then select it, order it, and you're good to go. You could also sell your ticket through their official store. But let's take a look at some of the fun just to sell it. So first of all, 
Um, you can throw your ticket in at pretty much any price you want at this point. And people yeah. have been posting their tickets for $2,000 plus taxes and fees and all this other bullshit. So you're looking at $229 for a ticket, right? Well, in order for you to sell them in the first place, they're sold with a 5.25% web convenience fee. And there's a 3.94 percentage for the portal passes. So that means a $229 ticket is going to cost you $241.00. And a portal pass 550 ticket will actually cost you $571.65. Just to buy it from the store, right? Okay, small markup, that's fine, we're, whatever. We're used to fees like that at this point. But yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But that's, yep. that's not all. That's not all the fees. So in order for you to sell it, on top of that, there is a 22.5% reselling fee wow. tacked on for the buyer, which means, remember that original ticket for 229 Plus the convenience fee, plus the reselling fee, is now going to cost the buyer $279.38. Wow. That's the set over 20%. <laughs> That's madness. That's crazy for a markup fee. So in order to simply break even on your original ticket of 229, you would have a reseller would have to mark it up to $260.56 to cover the 7.5 seller fee, which would actually cost the buyer $319.19 with the 22.5% reselling fee for a complete markup of 39.38% on the original listed price. Wow. Have I mentioned access is evil? Yeah, that is dirty. Mm-hmm. So, and all that, all those fees and all that other stuff goes directly to fucking access. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I just, that's really scummy. I mean... So, and I, I think they fixed it. It sounds like the BlizzCon one is extra complicated, so it's even worse than this. The way you used to get around some of that stuff is they would send you just a straight-up PDF, and you would put that on StubHub. <laughs> but it's like it works this time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it, they, they did cut out big, you know, or little man people scalping, but they're totally okay. With oh, no, corporate scalping is so much worse. Yeah. Corporate scalping. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Man, good job, Blizzard. You guys, you guys really have your pulse on the fucking people, for sure. Yep, they just keep hitting it out of the ballpark with every single announcement. Everything, every action they take, they're just always just champions. They're just golden. Mm-hmm. So. And to think they, fact they announced this year's Citizen Con did not make the news somehow this week. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and one of the things people were talking about, just to kind of bounce back on the app one more time, is the fact that they enabled Bluetooth syncing or pairing with the application. Part of that whole thing people were concerned about was if they have Bluetooth devices or, or beacons at BlizzCon, they could essentially track your phone, how long you stand in certain areas, where you hang around, what positions, or, you know, like what basically track your movements throughout the convention center and find out where you spend your time the most and market things towards that more than anything else. So from like a security standpoint, there's all that nonsense. But I mean, even if you can disable the app and all the permission stuff, which makes the app work really fucking janky in the first place, even if you want to sell your ticket, 
through this super bogus fucking shitty application and scalping market, BlizzCon still sold out. Yep. Yeah, I, it's because humans are idiots. No, and again, like it's the the average BlizzCon attendee does not listen to this podcast. I'm not saying this is the podcast for all your Blizzard knowledge, but the average person does not care as much about some of this stuff as they probably should. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Blizzard. Appreciate yep. it. Oh, the difference a year makes. Mm-hmm. The difference nine months. Good times. Last palate cleanser before email? Sure. Sure. <laughs> we have a, I believe we talked about this some last week, we have an actually fully kind of more meaningful update on Persona 5 Royale. The yeah. third semester, if you will. The addition to Persona 5 that I've been excited for. Um, It has been confirmed that no, you cannot take your save with you, which fills me with crushing sadness and despair. But there will be something for those players that did play Persona, already, Persona 5 already, so yay, that might be something to look forward to. Yay. <laughs> I believe we talked about this some last week, but it's been confirmed that like the guy behind um, Persona 4 Golden is also the one behind this. So it's cool. it, it is going to be of Persona 4 Golden expansion quality or greater is the is kind of what they're hinting at. Like it is a whole is going to be the same giant meaningful change Persona 5 Persona 4 Golden was to Persona 4, which is awesome because as I've said kind of close to this podcast, Persona 5. Persona 4 Golden is the correct version of that game. You can play Persona 4, it's just legitimately not as good. The The number of quality of life changes made for Golden is a little bit ridiculous, and some of the stuff they are talking about for 5 are things that, yeah, probably should have been in the game, but also, hey, they're great for an expansion like this. Uh, yeah. There are, um, it's gonna be a whole new com, you're gonna have a whole new comp on Kasumi. Uh, there's a chance, uh, Morgana might get to be human in this one, which could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you played Persona 5, Henry? I have watched friends play it. I don't own a gotcha. I, I don't own a console. <laughs> As you remember, I don't own any of For some reason I thought it came out on PC, but my brain could be wrong on I that. don't think any of the personas have ever come out on a PC. No, sure. Maybe it's Catherine I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, on. Catherine is definitely on PC. Gotcha. Uh but probably the most important thing out of all of this and it's what the hardcore Persona fans are all about. There are twenty new music tracks in this yeah. game. Yeah, that game has an. Um, yeah. that game has a really cool they soundtrack. It really does. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree. I I played a little bit of uh, was it Persona three or four, four? and the four. soundtrack was fucking great. Yeah, Fives is better. Five has some of the best fight music that franchise has ever had. To be honest, like the most of the Mega Ten games in general. Megami Tensei series have yeah. great music. They're like even like yeah. go but if you even pull up like the NES game for like Megami Tensei 2 for the NES that chip to man that has one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard for a video game. Yeah. It is really good and like you know of course you know that's not a game that came out but now you can go on you know YouTube or whatever and you can hear some of the soundtrack and man the soundtrack for Megami Tensei 2 is just really, really excellent, and it has tons of music tracks too, like, like, like a massive amount of music for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
uh, that's pretty hype that there's going to be 20 new tracks for Persona 5 yep. Royal. That's super cool. Yep. Well, yeah. I'm especially excited for this. I want to know what that special thing for returning fans of the franchise is, because I really don't want to have to do a power-through play of that game, but hey, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Who knows? Put it on stream, maybe. Charlie plays that game on fucking very easy mode just to get through it again. <laughs> wrong way to play that game but yeah that does it for news this week and we have three emails but if you wanted to get in contact with us via the email how would you go about doing that henry that is wicked awesomecast at gmail.com what's that email again alex wicked awesomecast at gmail.com wicked awesomecast at gmail.com spells it sounds down in the show notes etc etc as i said we got three this week and you kind of cut some stuff short earlier to talk about it earlier we have we're gonna do our first one about unions first mm. uh hey wicked awesome cast this comes in from anonymous sorry uh hey wicked awesome cast lately multiple gaming outlets including yourself have been talking about the gaming industry's need for unionization as a proud member of Pipefitters local 208 i am all for this but also as a member of a modern union i am curious exactly how much familiarity the gaming industry has what actually being in a, in a union is like. I'm not trying to spin this out into some big pro-con thing about unions. Just curious if mm. any of you have any experience working with or in a union that helps color your perspective on this. Based on things Charlie and Alex have said, I think the answer is yes. Alex probably has the most experience out of all of us with unions. He's Like as he started saying, he's been in one forever. Pretty much. I have worked in union jobs pretty much my whole life. I uh, started with the school district, working in the union there, and then now I've worked for government, and I'm part of a union as part of a government employeeness. So, yeah, uh, the only non-union jobs I had was working at McDonald's and Walgreens. So, yeah. Um, I was part of something called IATSE Local 33, which is the um, stagehand union out here in Los Angeles for a chunk of time. I let my membership lapse because... I had other job opportunities pop up that took my time up, but yeah, I went through the I went through a kind of partial apprenticeship program to get into that. Did the public signups for it and stuff, and like the um the gig I did where I worked the um League of Legends World Championship back in like 2013 or 14 that was out here in Los Angeles. That was through that. I, I I'm very familiar with it being in a labor union is like. Yeah, I've I've part of why I'm not in one. I've never been. I've never been in a union personally. Like I've never worked a job where I've been in a union. See, I mean, as a, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm a programmer, and so there's, and there's never been a programming union here. So, but yeah, even outside of that, other jobs that I've worked, I've never worked in a union before. So I'm, I only know anecdotally what it's like to be in a union. Yeah, yeah. I, of the three of us, I'm willing to bet the Yahtzee when I was in was actually probably in some ways the most applicable because like the biggest benefit of that is you get health insurance mm. that so like you're perpetually changing jobs as a, as a member of IATSE you're not working for one company all the time but so as a result like your state your health insurance and your retirement funds come through IATSE as opposed to through one employee you're not perpetual employer sorry so you're not perpetually losing all that stuff like just little details like that and the collective bargaining agreements like it's the IATSE gigs have a certain base rate for pay for everyone that like meets certain criteria for them. Like it's there, there are levels to it and all that jazz. 
but like it's the if you're like a base level carpenter gets paid twenty five bucks an hour. A master carpenter gets paid like fifty. I'm just giving like random numbers right mm. now. They're not accurate. But like it is the there's an established rate or more you have to meet. Plus there's in labor rules where it's like, yeah, if it gets above hundred degrees, you have to get guarantee it breaks every X one every X amount of time and stuff like that. Like it's it's weird like how many of these things seem like common uh like kind of general common sense ideas. And you're not wrong, they are common sense ideas. The issue is that they just wouldn't IATSE has been in a meaningfully powerful union across the board for lots of stuff like this. Like it's the amount of good they've done in the general entertainment industry has been net positive just kind of across board. There are there are problematic locals, but just like dumb stuff like, hey, people that have labor intensive jobs have access to health insurance reliably are big deals. They didn't exist prior to that stuff. Like the the pipe fitter one, I think is partial. Like a lot of the benefit to come out of that one, actually, is courtesy of IATSE, just kind of putting a good public face on a bunch of that stuff for years. So yeah, um, yeah, like I said, like my generally, like I know about it by know about unions by association because, like, uh, well, I've been in kind of in and around education for a while, and so yeah, there's you know there's teachers unions, and so that's yeah. the unions I'm most familiar. But yeah, um, yeah, and I guess to kind of build off that one too. A lot of I know a lot of the anti-union arguments out there for some reason circulate around the teacher ones, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone here is not going to say like there are occasionally problems with certain members of unions. Yeah. But the situation we're at right now is like even if like a, a handful of people are problematic and you abuse the rules. The stuff being thrown at devs is so much worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's just you know, it's a, it's a, it really is a bad thing to say about your industry that you could just be expected to work a hundred hour weeks, and that's just part and parcel. Yeah. And no, that is not. That should not be part and parcel. That should not be normal. That should not be considered normal. That's not normal. That's insane. And the fact that. Yeah, all basically all these companies have just been a really, really heavily abusing the uh, salaried employees because basically yeah. all they utilize salary is just to employees. say that you're exempt from getting any overtime ever. They that that's that's really what all that says to me is for mm-hmm. programmers is I'm making you uh, I'm making you unable to get get uh, an, a you know get additional pay. So yeah, it's, no, it's really kind of building off that. Lots of other salary-based um, entertainment industry or industries in general have a bonus system. A lot of the entertainment ones will do salary without any kind of back-end bonus of some kind to kind of make up for that lost overtime. Yep, thing. it's pretty scummy in that yep. regard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, honestly, the fact you'll be the and the thing is, and this is why they're so afraid because so much stuff technology right now is powered by programmers. So much of our world is reliant on programmers. From I mean, yeah. think about you know, like air airports, airlines work on software. I mean, everything that's kind of underpinning the world right now and making things easier and more accessible is because of programmers. And so they're afraid of you know basically that many people rising up and collective using collective bargaining. But it is beyond time for us to do that. I, I, like I said, it, it, 
drives me crazy that a hundred hour weeks the idea of that has been normalized when it comes to programmers it's like oh yeah yeah a hundred hour weeks you're just expected to do that and that's you know it's that the the fact that that's even a thing is is beyond the pale that should not be a thing like i personally that's one of the reasons like i personally like i generally don't work full-time for any game companies because i don't really trust them to to basically to be good about hours and about the way they treat you as an employee i'd much rather do what i'm doing what i've been doing which is a lot of mercenary work mercenary programming because oh yeah i will i will definitely charge you for overtime if you're asking me to do overtime because i'm working by the hour i'm not going to work yeah i'm not interested you know by the hour and by the contract i'm not interested in doing some yeah that's it's ridiculous the state the state of the industry yeah. is ridiculous right now just hire more people you know instead of paying your ceo 10 million dollars a year how about you use a little bit of that to actually just hire a few more programmers and like to make it like and to kind of put this in perspective just how important the whole concept of collective bargaining would be for the industry like weird topics pop up every time gdc happens. i don't mean weird like randy pitchford i'm talking weird like hey are you working 100 hour weeks? Oh yeah, we are too. Like it's the, yeah. you just get people talking to each other. And that's a bigger deal. Mm -hmm. Because it's like it, it's one of those things where kind of you can suffer and sense when eight other people can say the exact same thing. You realize it's kind of jacked up that all of you are being hit that yeah. way. I mean, at least I'm happy that it's getting at least news articles are being written about this. Like yeah. people know, I mean it was written about Red Dead Redemption 2. So people are if you look in the news, you can be aware of it now, at least. It's being reported on, and being reported on as, that's that's ridiculous, you know. You know so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, a slight, at least positive direction, maybe. But, yeah, it's just, we, I mean, we need a, we need a, we need one. We need a union. Yeah. Yep, agreed. All right, thank you so much for the uh, letter. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's why I wanted to save all the union talk for that one because we got a really good question about unions yeah. from a union person. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. all right. Next email. Sure. What do you got? Hey guys, I find the ongoing saga that is Star Citizen a fascinating one. Lecturally, I put money in the game and and sorry, a little mangled sense one. I uh, put money into the game and find oh and find the game and. And unlike Charlie, I find the game incredibly intriguing. Sorry, there's some weird Google-ish going on there. I can also find my... I, can, I also cannot bring myself to tell anyone to ever buy it. <laughs> As per your recommendation, I tracked down the article you three mentioned last week. And yeah, it's really weird finally having my thoughts about the game taken up, uh, take a full form. I know you all try to avoid playing armchair developer, but since um, one of you is actually a developer, I was curious if you would be willing to... Talk more about what went wrong and what would be a better choice at this point for how to fix it. Hopefully, I'll see you all someday around the verse, Lyle. Well, all right. So I think this is the thing with all sorts of projects, not just video game projects. Is it's yeah. it, this one came down to the management and the fact that the guy in head of it is kind of a man baby, a disorganized man baby at that. Like the way it's it has been feature creep the game, and that is literally yeah. Like, that's something I have literally taught people in classes. D 
don't do that. Don't feature creep. I mean, a certain amount of it is unavoidable during the process. And so, just to reiterate, reiterate, feature creep means adding in game new game elements at all like further along in the project cycle. That is, you know, there's a project cycle should start with you know you have your game design, your initial game design, you know, general game mechanics. You know a lot of what it's going to do. But then if you just keep adding not just minor tweaks, but major new game elements well into the software development process, it just, it means it's never ending. It's, I mean, these, that's the problem with when you do something like that, when you keep adding in elements, that means your process is never ending. It's like starting over multiple times. So essentially it's like make, trying to make multiple games. They're like, all right, it's like a bunch of stopping and starting. It's not. It's not at that point. It stops being a continuous project, and so you have to because, you know, you're everybody's already focusing on these things, and the thing is, is, you know, different game mechanics and elements can interfere with others in sometimes in very unexpected ways, and so you throw in a brand new game mechanic and it's supposed to fit in with everything else. Well, now you've thrown a wrench into literally possibly every other game mechanic that you're working with. And so now the whole thing is becoming increasingly untenable because by adding one thing, you're adding more work to not, you know, not only more work in developing that new element, but work in trying to figure out how to mesh this new element in with literally everything else that the game already does. And so it seems like the guy is just like, I, I swear from the description it sounds like he's ADD. He just gets a new idea and he's like, all right, yeah, yeah, let's add this one too. Let's add this one too. Let's add this one too. And continually does that. And that's that just makes for extremely poor game development. It's, it means that, you, yeah. like I said, it's you're never going to finish. And so what I think, it's never going to be finished. Literally. Or whatever you get in the end is going to be pitiful. It's going to be awful. But yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like, I, I think and this is speaking to somebody who... You know, I genuinely really love the Wing Commander series, and I like the whole project has a lot of cool aspects about it, but the thing is, it's being led by somebody who should not be leading the production on a game. Every story I've heard about it means that it it is really a seriously a massive leadership problem. So, yeah, so we don't, we don't, we don't call it feature creep anymore. We call it live service yeah. games. No, don't make even make that. Joke. <laughs> but yeah, I, like, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The, the way to have fixed this whole development cycle would have been like it's all the stuff that's now in the Star Citizen Alpha could eventually have been in Star Citizen. I think in real life, like it's the nothing that's in that game currently is inherently bad. Yeah. Like if the game had come out. And like I mean, actually come out at least, at least hit like open beta where it's like, yeah, we're still fine tuning some things, but we're like the, the game is for all intents and purposes done, and it was just the flight module, and you could go kind of from space to planet, and they had that all kind of nicely nailed down. And when you got to a planet, you entered a menu, and it was like, hey, move some boxes around, get your freight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you didn't have all the on foot aspects of that game, no one would have cared at especially if it was like, yo, we're going to keep the flight team on the flight stuff, we're going to keep refining that stuff, but hey, we're ramping up on foot team. Like, like The cities you keep going to, we're, you're going to be able to land, and you're going to be able to kind of go in and walk around. If that was like, okay, so like 
first two years are Squadron 42, which is the single-player mode, and the actual kind of multiplayer thing that was just kind of flight combat and getting from point A to point B. Like, I, I, I'd say, like, it's basically it's just the competition to, God, what's the game I'm thinking of right now? Um, Elite Dangerous? You'd have hit it out of the park, hypothetically. And you spent that year, like, refining, doing all this audio 2.0 and... See, see, control bullshit and gra- and motion gra- and like all the motion stuff they've been doing. That would have been good. See, the other, the other, and this is even this is even a kind of a bigger problem with the, and this is something that just gets added on to the fact that you know the, their development process is just ridiculous and dumb. Is that yeah. the longer you stretch out the development of the game, the thing is you're going to end up having to redo all the graphics and maybe even change game engines. That's 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 no, and that's the that, that's what yeah. happened with Ultima Eight, uh, or Ult- no Ultima Nine. Sorry, the last Ultima to come out, Ultima Nine, was that, uh, yeah, they it took so long, and they had been going with this other game engine, and then but then it was obsoleted, completely obsoleted. I think even it was like an older technology, yeah. an older like Voodoo three D or something technology, and so it wouldn't so they had to change over to like DirectX. I believe. I think I don't remember or OpenGL. I don't remember exactly. But it, but that's what happened to Ultima Nine. That's what happened to uh, uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Is they kept having they they kept when the process kept being dragged out more and more. It was like, well, this all this programming that we did in this engine is now useless because we're switching engines because the old one now looks seriously dated. And that's what's that's yeah. what's happening with Star with Star Citizen because in five years, there have been some big changes. Let me just say this: like, if you've ever developed and even if even if you're using an existing engine, if you're not writing your own, I don't know if what they've written their own engine or not. There, they went from Crytech to Lumberyard. So the example you gave of like changing um, graphic systems, they actually yeah. did that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I wasn't aware of what they switched from, but I was aware that they did, and that means well, all that code goes completely out the window. There's a certain amount nope. of game code that will be fine, but there's a whole lot of it that will have to be completely thrown out when you're using a completely new game engine. And even staying, if you're using an established one, there are changes in versions. Like, for example, like I can't open up older Unity projects in 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 a newer, in, in the current version of Unity because there are things that have been obsoleted or changed or deprecated. So that, like, I can't, like, like to the point that, you know, uh, like, a Unity project that's fought from five years ago, it won't even compile or run in a, in a modern version of Unity, in the updated version of Unity. Like, that's how drastically even a set graphic system can change. So even if you're programming in Unity over the five-year period, the old code would be obsolete. Yep. And so, I mean, that's, it's just... It's just, the longer Devane development is stretched out, the worse it's going to get. That's why I think, yeah, you're either going to never going to get a game, which I'm putting my money on that, or you're going to get something that's seriously just like just an attempt to shovel something out, and it's not going to be very good. I think the second one's more likely at this point. Like I, I think you will get uh, Wing Commander or well, not Wing Commander, um, Star Commander. Uh, Star Commander 42? Stop. Squadron 42. That's what I was looking mm. for. 
that you will get eventually. I don't know if you'll get the rest. You, of you're talking about it. as a standalone that's game. Where it gets, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's where it gets dumb. Like, it's the all the stuff Henry mentioned about scope creep. Like, it's the they're called modules still in development because that's what they are. They are kind of in. Like, you could have put out a very competitive competitor to Elite Dangerous, and then over time added all the other stuff to this game. And it wouldn't be the laughing stock it kind of is now. It would be a like, man, look how well this game is for. Look what they're doing. Like it's the take a look at um fuck, what's it called? Uh No Man's yep. Sky. No Man's Sky is kind of a bare bones version of Star Citizen. And like you gain a lot more by doing that level of support for a game than fucking up your launch. And it's one of those ones where I could imagine like Remove Chris Roberts, remove the, like, what, nine years of development were going on, and remove the Kickstarter origins, remove all of the bullshit, like, the ridiculous amount of money put into this game. Like, at its base, you have a developer that's, like, looking around going, aw, shit, we can't be No Man's Sky too." Yeah, but the thing is, No Man's Sky as it exists now, because it did what you're talking about, that is, they put out a game, yep. they decided, all right, let's actually have a game out there. It's not yep. perfect. It's flawed. It doesn't have everything in it yet, but give us time. And they delivered. They did. Like the like yeah. as it stands now, it pretty much does a lot of what people were asking for it to do with the you know, there again, like they they had a certain amount of a, a pretty big amount of functionality, honestly, when on launch. And then along the way, they keep adding a little bit more. Oh yeah, here's this thing that, you know, we said we wanted at launch, but you know, we didn't have it. But we're have it now. Yeah, we're we're we we're, you know completely for free. You know, all their all their updates have been free. They haven't made you know paid DLC yeah. for this. So they're just like, we know this is what you wanted. But I think for them, they're like, we want to actually come out with this game, and that's and that's kind of a and it's, it can be a good perspective that you know let's come out with the game and then maybe there's you know if there's issues with it or if there's something we didn't include, you know, we'll work on that. But yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, Star like, Citizen is Alex can yeah, Alex can talk more about this. Like it's the what, Vanilla WoW existed for what, like four years before they even put flying mounts in for the first expansion? Yep. And like that broke the game some. Um, they released Flying Mounts in the first expansion. Yeah, that's what I said. Vanilla like how long did Vanilla exist for? Um It was a few years. I don't think it was that long. It was a few I wanna say maybe like two years. Longer than that. Long definitely longer than that. I think WoW existed for all the time I was in high school, and Burning Crusade didn't come out till the end of high school. Yeah, because yeah, Let's I remember see. I remember when Burning Crusade came out because that's around the time that I started playing for a while. Okay. I didn't play for that long in the end, but yeah, that's around when I played. So BlizzCon, oh sorry, so so World of Warcraft came out November twenty third, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first expansion. Came out, uh, two thousand seven. So January sixteenth, two thousand three years. Yeah, about three years, which is a pretty good amount of time to to have yeah. a stable which, game and then add in you know some pretty big changes later on. Actually, not even two years, not even three years. Two years is some change because November, November two thousand four to January two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. So about two years and some change, and even then, yeah, you, you did have to grind up to get to level, to max level to be able to fly in the first place. But yeah, that that it changed the whole dynamic actually. Yeah. When it when they released flying, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like you can either 
I mean, that's the thing. You would think that people would have looked at Duke Nukem Forever and been like, yeah, let's not be Duke Nukem Forever. I don't think people understand Duke Nukem Forever at this point. Like, I, hell, we have someone on this podcast that thought that game might have been good when it came out. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> yeah. It's not me or Henry, but... But... Oh, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I think, like, as much as an example as Duke Nukem Forever should be for a lot of people, I don't think people understand Duke Nukem Forever beyond the memes. Like, it's fun to make jokes like, oh, it was in development forever, oh, ha, ha. It's like, yeah, but, like, why? Yeah, I mean... What was the impact of yeah. that? Like I said, it is, I mean, it pretty much ruined a great game series in Ultima. Ultima 9 is awful. Like, incontrovertibly, absolutely just terrible game. And after eight games that were pretty darn good, like, and some of them even yeah. groundbreaking, like Quest of the Avatar is amazingly groundbreaking in that it's the first RPG I've ever played that doesn't have an end boss. There's no bosses in that game. The game is trying to be virtuous and becoming the Avatar. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's like, it's the only game where it's like the goal, the end goal is philosophy and spirituality rather than punch the boss in the face until they fall down. So, I mean, but, and, yeah, and yeah. The, the prolonged development cycle of Ultima 9, yeah, it just came out with a terrible, terrible, awful, worthless game. And that's, yeah, and that's, looks like that's where Star Citizen's at. It's like, but yeah, I mean, you would think that this guy, he must just have such a big ego. He'd need to bring somebody in and stop micromanaging because his micromanaging is killing the game. He needs to bring somebody in yep. that's a good producer and a good director, a good a good you know good director for, of development, and just get off his high horse and realize that he just needs to bring in somebody good to, to lead development. Because sure, be there, be a lead designer, be the head designer, make decision you know design decisions, but don't don't lead the development. He he should obviously obviously not be leading the, leading the development. I mean that's the thing. It's like for yep. for games, just like a lot of you know for movies or television or any other media like that. It's like there's a large part of it that's about organization and about management and about leadership. And yeah, that's what they're missing. That's what Star Citizen is missing. Is from as far as the reports that I've read about it. Like, to take it real broad, too, building up what you're saying, like, Star Citizen is a bizarre study in the danger of passion projects. Mm, but, mm, yes. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, we can see a, a version of it being done right in, you know, in uh, Bloodstain, where that game is 100% coming out. Like, that game is going to be put out. Like, that game is going to be released. I mean, and they already released, you know, they kind of already released, you know, the kind of 8-bit sort of inspired prequel to it. But that game's going to get made because they brought in teams and directors and everything who can actually lead development. So it's like he's, you know, he, Iga is lead designer, but I don't think he's managing the whole direction of the game. Like, it sounds like that it's been left in the hands of multiple people. like. There's multiple studios working on it. Studios that have gotten things done. Like that actually finish projects. 
And yeah. but it seems like you know in certain ways he's this is absolutely a passion project for him. You look at the commercials for it, which has real Ega sitting there with the with a wine glass. It's so good. But I mean, yeah. But he's obviously brought in people that are helping to make the project actually work, actually finish. And and even that one's had problems. Oh yeah, yeah. it's had problems. But it seems like I'm. I will guarantee you. That game's coming out, and it's coming out this year, or maybe early next year. I forget what what the release yeah, date. I don't know. Oh gosh, I uh... October would make a lot of sense. Yeah, but in any case, that game's coming out. It's absolutely going to be out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they've already finished, kind of, the massive, the the greater percentage of programming and development at this point, and they're more refining it at right now. So I mean, yeah, yeah, that's. That's the thing, but yeah, it sounds like, yeah, I mean, from the articles I've read about sort of inside knowledge of what's going on with Star Citizen, yeah, it's just horribly managed. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as a, yeah, as a developer who's worked on multiple projects, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, and that's been the difference in the projects I've worked on is, how good was the organization and leadership? And was it uh, occasionally, you know, be willing to say, no, we're not going to do that. Like, say, just put a hard no and say, no, we're not adding in that element. You know, and that and it takes leadership to say to be able to say things like that, like, no, we're not going to do that thing because it would completely screw up our development time and throw us completely off track on what, you know, on our roadmap to actually finishing this game. Yeah. Yeah. But. Only time will tell at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. Great, great message. Great email. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Lyle. And last but not least, to kind of bring us all up at the end of this podcast, I've saved the funniest for last. Uh, Dear Wicked Awesome Cast. I was, as you people say, on the road recently and courtesy uh, and courtesy of my supervisor found myself having dinner in a strip club one night. After I the shock that the food was surprisingly decent and free, I got to watch a grown man projectile vomit into a dancer's hair and watch her be surprisingly unfazed by it. <laughs> Soon after this, I left since I could not shake the image, and as I walked back to my hotel, realized that you three probably have some incredibly cringy similar stories to this. Also, I wanted to hear Alex's reaction. Lydia. What the fuck, man? <laughs> so this was... Alright, so this was... Work related? It. I don't or, know. I I, I I I suspect this is kind of the story of almost every time I've wound up in a strip club, which is I've been on the road for work. Good use of on the road, and like I've had some boss or someone like, okay, what are you looking for? Who's well, a strip club next door? And like after three days, you eventually just go, fuck it, we're going. I guess to shut your ass up, and then you go and you go, oh god, <laughs> I made a terrible mistake. But. Yeah, I I'm not a person that really yeah I yes I'm not really a person that cares for them or really goes to them. No, I I I don't think any of us are. I have nothing but bad stories of like being in horrible cities that are like I don't want to go to this and I don't want to go. Period. On principle, I, I do have two funny, super cringy stories though from them. Though. Two and a half. I. A company I used to work for was literally down the street from a 24-hour strip club, and it was 
very um, often you'd see kind of some of the uh, build staff for that company, like, walking from one to the other, either before shift start or after shift. It's like, oh, that's just sad. The, the cringy stories I have are I had a classmate in college who, for artistic reasons, okay, so there's two major strip clubs in the city of Pittsburgh. There are more, but there's only two I was actively familiar with. There's cheerleaders, which is internationally known, and like it's where all the famous porn stars go to dance or something. And then there is cricket. <laughs> and she got a job at cheerleaders, and I did not go to this because I thought this was sketchy as hell, but a bunch of my classmates went one of the nights she was performing. This was like a Tuesday because she wasn't a featured dancer. She was just kind of someone who's going to work there. Like, she was working there, like, on a Tuesday, and my classmates decided to go to be supportive? Okay? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my reaction. Everyone I've told that story is too, where it's like, that's awkward. But And then the other one I have is from Cricket, and Cricket's claim to fame was it was not good, it was not classy, but it's where everyone who wasn't doing it for artsy reasons that was a college student went to make extra money and i lived i think a block down from it as i drive by it a bunch and just like you would see people stumble out of that place at like 2 p.m in the afternoon then throw up on cars that were parked nearby and shit like that and cricket kind of came to a head where a girl i was going out with at the time was fucking obsessed with cricket. Not strippers, but cricket the club, because literally it was this, like, brutalist cement building with this tiny door on the side that said cricket in giant letters across it. And we went there for her 19th birthday. We were in there 30 seconds before she said, oh, God, this is unbelievably sad. And I'm like, this was your idea. You don't get to blame me. <laughs> yeah. And ran screaming. Yeah, I, well... I say, I don't know, I guess it was kind of, maybe not so much cringy as weird, but, like, I've been dragged along to at least one where it was a case of, hey, my friend works here, let's go and support her. And yeah. I was like, I guess, if everybody else that is going, alone is and weird. that's, I mean, yeah, uh, that's even weirder. I mean, I, I find them to be weird in the first place kind of the way i feel in yeah. them and that just makes it yeah like even kind of weirder and uncomfortable and so yeah I i'll say this i've definitely been to, to a few interesting ones in portland apparently port it's a thing in portland that there's just some really like odd or different style of strip clubs there i guess that's a that's what yeah. I was told by a few different people anyway, but yeah. I have heard that too from my scumbag friends that are in the strip. Yeah, but yeah, for me I have literally zero interest in ever going to so, one. And if I never go to one ever again, I that'd be absolutely fine with me. So let me speak a little bit on this here when it comes to the Portland crowd. Have you for been that. to one since you moved to Portland? Uh, I actually haven't been to an actual strip club, but I do partake in a place here that has the best steak bites around, and it's from a kitchen for a strip club. Mm. They literally have a window on the side 
where they nice. sell food. Mm. And so people, you see a big line, or not line, but you see the parking lot usually has people in there waiting for food from a strip club. <laughs> they literally sell food. That's, and people buy that's it. That's amazing. It must be some really it's, good yeah, food. I, it's pretty fucking mm. good for being like a greasy little spot and all that stuff. It's It's basically like it's really good to hangover, still drunk, mm. and it's just good in general. Like, you get like a, a garlic bread, some steak bites for like five bucks or six bucks. Like, it's not bad at all. I did get a filet mignon from them that was twelve dollars that came with a potato. I love that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had strip club filet mignon, uh, and dude, it's good. They wrap it in bacon. It's comes with potato and you know garlic bread like it's not bad they do sell a colossal fucking burger though i think it was like a three pound burger you can buy for twelve dollars like it's no fucking joke and they put it on so so i i need you to say this so i can make it the podcast title this week three pound strip club burger (laughs) three pound strip club burger yes uh, let me confirm. Hold on, let me confirm. Yes, I know they have uh, all the websites down. Of course, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna check the menu for this website. It's also for a strip club. I kind of similar to the same thing. What you're talking about? I when I was on the road more for work. I, there was a time that I was in a town that the highest-ranked thing on Yelp there for food was the town strip club. And I guess it turned out that, like, half of it was a restaurant, half of it was an entertainment venue, if you will, and the restaurant was like, nah, it's one of the best ones in the area. But it was like, I'm not going to go to this. I don't want to become that guy. <laughs> I could have been turned like, there's like a big wall down the center. Like, yeah, you can get the food over there, but, like, we're a family restaurant over here. And I'm like, that, that raises some questions. Yeah. Yeah, so the, 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 uh, it's sorry, let me correct it. It's a two pound burger for $10. So, strip club two dollar, or a strip club, strip club two pound burger for $10. And it does come with french fries. Oh, sorry, let me take it back. It's two pounds of mat- patty alone. The burger itself total is five pounds for $10. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, all right. I I got what I need out of this salad. Yeah. You're, you're good. <laughs> but yeah, man, five dollars steak bites. This place is legit, yeah. and it's it, and it's fact that they call it the the Acropolis Steakhouse Plus and not the Acropolis Strip Club is is Steakhouse just Plus. That's amazing. Plus, what's the plus? Well, we'll tell you when you're eighteen. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but yeah, that's just the first part. But across the street from that. Or across the venue itself is um, what's known as a vegan strip club. Have we what? talked about this? Have, what? I swear we have talked about this before on this podcast. Or I have talked to someone else about the vegan strip club of Portland. I don't know which, but either seem plausible. So I know I have talked about this before. <laughs> so this is a fun little 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 thing I'll talk about here really quick, but... Um, so there is a very famous vegan strip club that is across, literally, like, next door neighbors to a strip club steakhouse, and they're always kind of fighting each other. Uh, the, the, (laughs) 
convert to, to Acropolis, which is the, the Acropolis Steakhouse Plus, is Dust Till Dawn, Casa Diablo 2, is the vegan strip club that everyone seems to kind of want to go to. Um, yeah, How is it? It's, vegan? Like, the food is vegan, I'm assuming? Or, or maybe everybody that strips there is vegan? That would be impressive as well. I don't know. Yeah, apparently they two hate each other quite a bit because... Uh, I wonder why. <laughs> so the Acropolis owner calls Dust Till Dawn a whorehouse, and the dancers from Diablo are chanting that v- Vixen's not veal, sizzle not steak, uh, and that the steakhouse is a product of murder and torture. So I... <laughs> Only in like, Portland. Is it wrong? Part of my brain just assumes that someone there is tone deaf enough to have a sign out front of that thing being like, the only meat here is the way we treat our ladies or something. Like th- That's what that feels like in the weirdest way possible. Yeah. I, but there, this, this is definitely a only in Portland <laughs> type of yeah. story. Wow, that, that is so that's Portland. In LA, that mean. story is so very Portland. <laughs> Holy crap. I, I'm really hoping it was you I was talking to about this, Alex. I don't because think it was. I don't think it was, and that means I have talked to someone else about the vegan strip club of fucking Portland. But yeah, this like place... recently-ish too. Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah, don't know what to tell you, but yeah, they're uh, I... the two feud with each other, and uh, yeah, apparently the vegan strip club is really fucking nuts like they do crazy shit there yeah that sounds right yeah my uh my co-worker uh, apparently set up their security cameras there so like oh you've got one of those then great yeah he oh i have the insight but yeah they're um <laughs> oh no it's it's important to have that co-worker that's like oh i've never been but i set up the security cameras and have ip access they're like right scumbag that's worse yeah. Also, they kind of do a thing there where apparently you don't pay, you don't do singles. They have you trade them for $2 bills and you give the stripper $2 bills instead. They don't do singles. That's their No! Story. <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah. I'm not making it rain in $2 bills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been to the vegan club, but like I said, I have bought food from the other one, I, so. Yeah, that, that that feels like the morally okay way to go about this one, I guess. There's nothing wrong with strippers. It's just, I, I from, from a humor standpoint, I'd rather buy food from a strip club than go to the vegan one. <laughs> Based purely on food, ironically, but yeah, I, I could imagine the vegan one takes its gimmick a bit of a distance occasionally. Yeah. Or artsy. Uh. Well, yeah, Lydia. It's, woke. it's <laughs> a it's stories. a woke strip club. Oh, I <laughs> spoken word. Woke strip club, topless spoken word. Yeah, I somehow worse than normal spoken word. <laughs> Twerk beat poetry. Mm. <laughs> we need to end this. <laughs> That's it for emails this week. Thank, thank you so much for the messages for the emails. Thank you. Ah, uh, we went from two real serious emails to that. <laughs> yes, thank you everyone who wrote in. Um, anything to talk about before we get get out of here this week or nah? No. Uh no, other than yeah, I'm I'm streaming still. 
Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Uh, Tuesdays I stream from nine till about maybe midnight, or nine p.m. Pacific, and then uh, Friday and Saturday usually consist of uh, nine forty-five to about two a.m. Pacific time. So, mm. but yeah, Mave Online across all the streaming platforms: uh, Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, Gaming, Periscope, and soon Plexstorm. <laughs> Every day we move far from the light of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if that means I can buy a five-pound burger from a strip club, then so uh, be it. If I ever visit you, we're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <sighs> All right, who wants to close it out this week? <laughs> Cue the metal. Cue the metal.